I hate Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I enjoy one second of it. You know what? Fuck Bad Boys. I hate like, all of like, it. Fuck at like the movie? Or are you, are you oh, saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, the movie. I didn't clarify. Oh, okay. The movie. Oh, yeah, me too. What? <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> Cast with no name. We are your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode two, Monday, April 4th, 2022. This episode, we will discuss recent events involving Bruce Willis and Jim Carrey, plus our feature discussion of our top five favorite film directors. But first, what's going on, Matt? Jay. Yes. This past week, we lived through something that just overtook the national conversation for whatever reason. And I think it was a great segue into the end of our last podcast where we just fumble fucked our way through the sign off. And we said, you know, I love you. And obviously me and you were referencing a scene in idiocracy where the character's going to Costco and the greeting is welcome to Costco. I love you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the country was overrun with morons this past week. I think we had a brief this past week. (laughs) That's fair. It's a fair point. (laughs) But I, I feel like we cro- we were in we uh, we entered the looking glass here this past week. Just uh, just how crazy something can just be blown out of proportion. Yeah. Well, there's nothing more important going on yes. last week at all, other than <laughs> the slap of Will Smith. So I mean, it, I think the world had to come to a halt. Uh, I'm glad Russia and Ukraine stopped doing whatever the hell that is <laughs> they're doing to kind of dissect this information and kind of bring it and absorb it. Um, uh, well, world well, hunger stopped for a whole week. For a whole really. week. Well, Jay, wh- were you expecting it to turn into the you know a Challenger explosion moment or a nine eleven moment? Where were you? What were you? What were you doing at what moment? What were you doing when the slap happened? Yeah, I, I, I did not. I did not expect it to be that big of a deal as what it was. Oh my gosh! And I, I mean, I, I. I I was tired of talking about it. I think by the time Wednesday or Tuesday rolled around and just the fact that it is blown way out of proportion, which is interesting because why was it right? And I think that's more interesting to the reason why it was blown more out of proportion than actually what happened. Because when you boil it down, Will Smith smacked somebody out of strong sense of judgment. And that's all it was. Um, but I think it was blown out of proportion just because of what people thought about Will Smith. And you know, I'm not trying to prolong it. I just, I instantly thought of idiocracy. Like on Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, people were still talking about it. I, I just felt like I was in that movie mm-hmm. for just like, what do we do? Well, I don't know. Why don't we water it? What the stuff out of the toilet? <laughs> like that's, <laughs> Well, what that's great that's exactly how i felt when people were talking like connecting it with trump mm-hmm. and white supremacy uh, somebody acted like an asshole yeah for 30 seconds that's it and let's and, let's move on why, and, why are we self-parodying ourselves and we're we're becoming the stars of idiocracy that's all it was i mean we talked about it it's entertainment-esque so it was in our purview of things and it happened at the oscars and it happened at the oscars right um what know. are you gonna do well, what yeah. about you jay What's on your mind? 
Oh, not a, not a whole lot. Yeah, didn't watch anything uh, this past what, week. Uh, I did. Uh, Tin Cup, which that's actually that's on my mind. I've been. I love that movie. I, it's it's probably my favorite golf movie. Who directed that? I can't remember. Uh, Ron Shelton. Oh, uh, the same dude who did uh, White Man Can't Jump and Bull Durham played to the all the bone. Good sports movies. Yeah, he, he does like very good sports. He does. Movies. Um, but yeah, watched uh, Tin Cup. I usually watch about once a year to get me in the mood for golf. Ah. Uh, or once I start getting in the mood for golf, I watch Tin Cup. Are and, you telling me we're going to be hitting the links here soon? Uh, absolutely. Oh. And that and it's Masters week. So the Masters oh, is right, going is. on this week. I'm super Look at you. See, I know. I'm the sports guy. You're yep. over here like yep. showing me up. The Masters is the only one of the few sports things that I actually watch. Right. And crossing my fingers, the Tiger Woods plays. I want to see him win again. Can you imagine the I, ratings boom? Holy shit. Uh, I love it. He's He was doing his practice round. He uh, so Felt good? His back in spasm. Looked good. He, uh, <laughs> everyone that was there, the spectating, they were writing reports on it where he looked like he was doing the work. So I would totally watch. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping he plays. Yeah. It's, uh. So, but yeah. So that that's on my mind. Watch Tin Cup. Um. Watch it a lot. Favorite golf movie. I haven't seen it in forever. Um. The scene I always remember is when he he keeps shooting. Is that that's the movie right? Where yeah. He yep. Keeps shooting. Yeah. Give, me, give me another ball. Give me is another it a par ball. three or? He because he's trying he's trying to hit the green, so it's a par five, par five. that he's trying to hit, and he keeps th- throughout the tournament he's always hitting it in the exact same spot mm. in the smart plays to lay up. Sure, and, and he's not doing it because he's all, a rebel. Yeah, all four yeah. days because he he wants to go for it, and uh, <laughs> so all four days he keeps trying to hit it to the green. And uh, but yeah, great movie. Um, probably one of my favorite. I, I rewatching it. It's probably one of my favorite Kevin Costner performances. He's I love him as an actor. I really love him as a director. Um, he's not the best actor. He plays the same person. He he well, doesn't have range, really, I would say. Yeah. Would you say he has range? No. I yeah. because and that's okay. Yeah. Um Jason Statham doesn't have range, but I love Jason Statham movies. Yeah. I Kevin Costner does a very good romantic comedy lead. I think that's mm. his best role. Um that tin cup role, just that kind of cocky but charming uh, personality, he's very good at. Bull Durham, very good at. Uh, when he tries to be serious or intimidating, I don't buy it. Like the bodyguard, I love the bodyguard. I yeah. love him in that movie. Some of his line delivery in that is just a little subpar. Oh, it's a <laughs> golf little re- golf reference. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little. Uh, it could be better. <laughs> I haven't seen the bodyguard and I think I've seen it once. It's been mm-hmm. a long time. One of the best soundtracks ever. It is. Yeah. The, um, but yeah, I love the bodyguard. Uh, but in Kevin Costner, I love, um, like open range. He's done pretty good. He's good in Yellowstone, but I mean, he, what's, what's the last movie he's directed? I can't even open th- range. And that was, you know 2003. what? I've, I've never seen open range and you always, you always rave about it. I feel fantastic like I, is oh it? in the sweet sweet run time oh yeah what's three it, hour oh it's three about, it might be a little over three but um it's it's a slow burn western and we should do a we should we should do a podcast where i give you a movie that that i've seen and i love mm-hmm. that you haven't and see what you think about it and then vice versa and then for you open range would that be the pick for me yeah I, if you haven't seen it never I would, seen it never I would, seen it i wouldn't it. mind watching that again yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll think of something. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah. I cut you off there. No. Um, but yeah, so I watched Tin Cup. Um, Rene Russo's good in it. Don Johnson's good in it. I mean, it's just Don Johnson. Oh, yeah, he is in that. Yeah. There's uh some pro golfers in there, uh, like a very young Phil Mickelson mm. is in there. It doesn't have any lines. Um, but then you have uh Jim Nance. He's in nice. like you have they actually brought in professional golfers, professional commentators. Um yeah, good. It's it's a fun movie. It's yeah. Cheech Marin's in it. He's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, love that movie. Yeah, it's like a warm blanket. Yeah. It's a feel-good movie. Yep. Cool. Yeah, well, I watched Death on the Nile, and I feel like Lawrence of Arabia spoiled it for me. How so? Because, Jay, we were talking about how like they never make movies like that anymore, and how you knew that it was on location, mm-hmm. and you were there. You felt like you're in the desert, right? Death on the Nile gave me that opposite feeling. I knew it was green screen. It looked fake. This, it, in order for that to, for that movie like that to overcome something that glaring, the story has to be incredible. And the story, I'm sorry, was okay. You yeah. know, a typical whodunit. Uh, Death on the Nile is a, is a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, where you know, and I love Kenneth Branagh. He's a mm. great director, and, and he's the best part of the movie. But that's not really saying all that much. But again, it's single setting murder mystery. Um, and it, ju- it just took me out of it. The whole, I knew everything was green screened, everything like you couldn't. Uh, the, and I looked it up, the production budget on it was like a hundred million dollars. And I'm like, where did the money go on this thing? Actors. And they're not even, they were okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, all right. They're, Kenneth Branagh was the best actor by far. The rest of them were okay. Mm-hmm. And the story was Okay. It just made me mad. Yeah, I, I, you told me about that a couple of days ago, and I went to try and watch it because uh, I was like, oh well, maybe I'll like it, and then we can spar on it. But I think I played it, and I th- maybe I got ten minutes in, eight minutes. I just didn't care immediately. And I should have did that, and I just turned it off. I forget what I did after that. Probably watched Ten Cup. No, it wasn't that. I watched that. <laughs> so um, I should have watched Ten Cup again. Damn it. That's all right. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, I did like, I wanted to see that movie simply because of the trailer. That had a very good trailer because it was just a very, uh, they had the uh, a cover of Policy of Truth mm. uh, by Depeche Mode, but it, Depeche Mode didn't obviously didn't do the cover, but it had just that slow, the typical trope that they're doing now in trailers. They take a popular song and they slow it down and yeah, they kind of reorganize it to yeah. fit the mood. Yep. Like Nirvana and the Batman. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the Nirvana was pretty. I mean, that was pretty close, but like more like uh, the Jurassic Park um, to where they took the theme and then they just have that piano. Oh, I see what you're saying. Thing, I gotcha. Um, piano yep, you're right. and stuff. But um, but no, I like the Death and Nile trailer, but that's only two minutes, not two hours. It's not two hours long, Jay. I couldn't do two hours. Oh I saw Gal Gadot and Army Hammer and then some. What do you think? Random do you th- actress that were what? trying very hard or something. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not engaged. Right. And what is it about Gal Gadot? I mean, she's hot. I-, I get it. But if I'm being brutally honest, acting wise, she is okay. Yeah. Okay. I- the only thing I've seen her in really was, has been Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah. And I only saw the first Wonder Woman. And, I thought she was good in that. Um, I didn't. I mean, superhero movies are not exactly a a, a, 
a premier piece that you would want to showcase acting range or skill. Yeah. Um, you know what she reminds me of? Vin Diesel. Because I saw Red Notice with her and The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Oh, yeah. To me, to me, Gal Gadot, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's Wonder Woman. She's just playing Wonder Woman. Yeah. And Vin Diesel, I'm like, oh, he's playing Don. Mm-hmm. He's, no, I'm Riddick. I'm Riddick. Uh, this is this is the Chronicles of Riddick. I'm like, no, you're Dom. You're Dom Toretto. Mm-hmm. You're playing Dom. You're always Dom. No, 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 no. This is Riddick. I'm Riddick. <laughs> I'm Xander Cage. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Triple X. I'm like, no, you're Dom Toretto. You've always been Dom Toretto, and that's the only person you know how to play. Yeah, and I mean, I get. Yeah, I forgot. I saw Red Notice. I mean, all three of them were playing themselves. But yeah, I mean, I really haven't seen anything that Gal Gadot has been in i i understand she's been in some of the fast furious movies or that's where she kind of became noticeable yeah got people notice her yeah um yeah well yeah i i don't recommend death on the nile i it's not a very good movie i I would recommend tin cup i would tin cup's pretty good it's it's fun yes it's it's good everyone everyone does what they're supposed to be doing yeah so cool. Um, this week, uh, some people may have not heard because of the ruckus over Will Smith, but um, this I think got uh, some airtime and people notices. Uh, Bruce Willis, uh, his him and his family uh, came out and said he has aphasia, 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 uh, which is a form of dementia or something that affects your communication or cognitive. Like, communication capabilities right um, a cognitive disease cognitive disease and to where he will be stepping away from acting he didn't officially say he was retiring but the way these things typically go it's he's probably done which mm-hmm. is, is sad he's young um and uh yeah he's young compared to like clint eastwood who's almost 100 and still doing it yeah yeah and so it, it it's a shame um the kind of movies he's been putting out recently haven't been great. Red Letter Media did a nice couple of videos on the movies that he's been putting out. Um, and they did mention that uh, they're going to have to do a retraction because they're in that, in those reviews, they said uh, if by any chance, uh, cause they mentioned that in the movies, he has an earpiece and he's being mm-hmm. fed lines. If he has some sort of cognitive disease, yeah. that they would feel bad about it. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you're listening to this, you are probably aware of red letter media. And if you're aware of red, red letter media, you probably have already seen those videos. However, if you haven't, don't give them shit in the comments because they made those <laughs> videos. I kid you not a week before yes. that stuff came out about them and yeah. which it, I wouldn't be surprised if those videos actually had some kind of effect to where they Maybe. had to come out and say something because red letter media is pretty popular. Pretty popular. Oh yeah. And, um, to where it started, I think that conversation, there was like some rumors, I guess, apparently, um, when those videos came out, but no one knew for sure. And I think, I mean, those two videos might have bubbled up and someone said, all right, yeah, we got to say something kind of a thing, but yeah. Um, but we wanted to talk about this because, um, he's st- taking a step away from acting. Let's assume he retires. Uh, I wanted to see what your favorite Bruce Willis movies are, your favorite roles that he did. Um, what kind of, what do you think people are going to remember him for? People are going to remember Bruce Willis for, uh, you can be an action hero and be just an ordinary dude. That's, that's, he brought that to the forefront. You didn't need to be just, uh, you know, a Sly Stallone or a Schwarzenegger or a Van Damme. Mm-hmm. You can just be a normal dude and, 
don't have the six pack, you're just a regular guy. If you can just, you know, have throw some witty lines out there, entertain the folks. That's, that's enough. Yeah. That's what, because I mean, come on, die hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Die, die hard. I mean, yeah. No one else I think could have pulled off a receding hairline. <laughs> uh, what's the term now? Skinny fat. Uh, I, t- I told my wife that, uh, recently I was like, uh, what does like, that even mean? I was like, I'm skinny fat. It's, it's your skinny, but you're just not toned. So you got, oh, and, um, well, so now in order, in order for you to look good, you got to be like, 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 like made of fucking bronze. Yeah. You got to be carved out of wood. <laughs> you um, can't just be a normal dude. <laughs> no. The fuck happened? So it's like dad bod. Dad, yeah, okay, dad, dad, dad bod. bod's a little bit more of a gut. All right. Um, well, he doesn't have a dad bod in Die Hard. No, yeah. but he wasn't like ripped either. No. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head to where it's definitely, he's the every man. And it was before he started doing Die Hard 5 to where he was just impossible to kill um, <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think that's, that I think is when he was at his best to where he was doing the the quippy action person to mm-hmm. where um, he wasn't invincible, but he could present a humorous line and he is believable as an action star. Yes. And did anyone deliver one-liners better? I wouldn't even, they're, they're one-liners. They're, it's like, you know, the Schwarzenegger one-liner, like, you know, stick around, you know, after he's, he's yeah. Yeah. I He did like stuff like, uh you know, in Last Boy Scout where he's like, you know, it's the 90s. You can't just walk up and hit a guy. You got to say something cool first. Like lines like that. Mm-hmm. Like cool, memorable lines like that. I think he was the best at delivering one-liners because he had his, com- he had comedic timing. Yeah. And Stallone and Schwarzenegger, or if you get some other like muscle head, I mean, you're not they're there to look intimidating to where Bruce Willis came from comedy. He was, he's a decent actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that timing. I think everyone else was missing. Yeah. He made it seem like those lines were impromptu, not scripted. Mm-hmm. Like he just thought of them. Yeah. He was very good at making it sound authentic. Yeah. And, um, what I keep thinking, like one of my, one of my favorite roles he did was die hard with a vengeance more. So I think I like that more so than the original die hard. Mm. Um, but the scene I keep thinking of is it cuts. Um, they're in the park. They're trying to figure out the bottle yeah. puzzle and something's happening. And then it cut <laughs> like they come to the park. They see the suitcase with the bomb and they're like, oh, OK, so we got it. We have a three gallon bucket and a five gallon bucket. We got to we got to make it so that's equal uh, equal to like two gallons or whatever. Two and a half gallons or something. Four, four gallons or something like that. And um, they're like. Okay, all right. So they start working on it. Him and Samuel L. Jackson. And then it cuts away to something. And then it cuts back. <laughs> and it's like right in the middle of their argument. You're like, you said you knew. You said you fucking knew. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's that, uh, just that natural ability to deliver that kind of, uh, that kind of line. And just the timing of that situation is, I mean, not everyone, that could easily came off as bitching or, mm-hmm. Uh, it was frustrating, but it was like a humorous frustration to where you immediately saw yourself. You could picture something like that happening similar in your life. And um, but yeah, one of my favorite things that he is able to do is that comedy um, that not a lot of other action people can do. No, but he was also a very good actor and like his dramatic roles, uh, you know, the sixth sense or unbreakable. I think those so underrated the performances in that like 
I, I think Unbreakable might be one one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. I think so. It's it's probably in my top five. Mm-hmm. I would say that. And it, it stems from Bruce Willis. He's so good in that movie. And I don't know if it was the idea or or uh, in, in M. Night Shyamalan's direction, but mm-hmm. it, the movie was elevated because of Bruce Willis. I liked Unbreakable. Um, his dramatic roles like that, it... At first, it, I enjoyed them. Um, when he got older, like you could look up interviews with him being uh, interviewed by the press or doing uh, press runs and stuff like that for movies to where he kind of has that like uninterested feel. Mm. Um, now I think he's bringing more to it in those movies, especially in Sixth Sense and Unbreakable than just the I don't care vibe. Um, I, For me, I mean, his dramatic stuff was fine sometimes i liked better uh 12 monkeys um i liked it better than that and i liked uh 16 blocks better i've seen that one time um which a friend of mine uh i'll give him credit he has a podcast too the brandon peter show uh <laughs> he we watched that at grommet's chinese theater and where's that at uh what really Oh, oh, you mean in Hollywood. LA? Yeah. Oh, in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, the I thought you were referencing some sort of like Chinese yeah. theater. I have no idea about I went, it. I went out and visited him. Uh, it was like shortly in college, and we had the option to go see Doom or Sixteen Blocks. And Wait, Dune? Doom? Doom. Oh. Doom. Yeah, the the blockbuster with Carl Urban <laughs> and The, the Rock. Rock. Uh, so we decided to go see Sixteen Blocks, uh, directed by Richard Donner, and he said he's like, you know what? They could have changed his name to John McClane, and that would have been the best wrap up to a Die Hard movie. Yeah. Or a Die Hard franchise. And since he said that, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, God, that's that's so spot on. That is so correct. Yeah. And um Lost F is in it. Um good movie, but that's that's my uh that's probably one of my favorite. Like it was he had some like he he had some personality in his dramatic role. Um, he wasn't quippy in that. It was just more of a serious like ugh, like an exhausted person kind of. But he didn't. I didn't feel like he was as bored. I felt like he was bringing something a little bit more so than what he did in Unbreakable or Sixth Sense, which is usually like a mm, all right, well, let's go over here now kind of a thing, like very mild mannered, stoic. Gotcha. Kind of so person. you weren't as impressed with his dramatic work as I am. No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, enough. I always, his comedy always spoke to me more. Mm. Um, and the well, la- there's no doubt his comedic, his comedy is way better than yeah. his, dra- his dramatic acting for uh, sure. Um, and I liked his one, another movie I liked for his drama, dr- dramatic parts was uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I thought he was mm. decent in that. Uh, some of his line delivery, um, he mentioned, uh, I forget I forget what the line is, uh, but the the kid asks him, he's like, Oh, what what happened to your wife or whatever? Like, oh, she did she didn't love me anymore. Or something like he delivered some kind of line, you actually believed it or whatever. But but yeah, usually I wasn't that impressed by his dramatic acting right. that much. Oh, Pulp Fiction too. He's good in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be considered He's not really funny in it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, he's just, I mean, that, 
he was just kind of like a normal yeah well very normal guy he he did change what you thought of action heroes no doubt about it mm-hmm. no doubt about it and man are they entertaining all the diehards well not all of them but a good day to die hard did you ever see that one yeah uh wait good day dot uh is that the it's the fifth one the russia one i i went I, 30 minutes in and i turned it off yeah i couldn't do it i watched it in theaters so and i've i've never walked out of a theater you were close to it no it? no not in uh, that movie um but I've, i just never walked out of a movie in theater so i i, I saw it in theaters so i didn't leave gotcha i didn't turn it off you've never anything. walked out of him a... no never no wow just fuck them that's why because fuck <laughs> I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna sit there and watch their piece of shit. <laughs> no, jokes on them. They got my money and my time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, last Airbender. Yep, I walked out. You walked out. Couldn't do it. Yeah, that's the only time I can I can think of right. Yeah, last Air. It's. I feel like my soul left my body. Jay mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Yeah. See, I just, I just get pissed. So I'll just sit there and I'll stew and then it'll just get worse. <laughs> and then your poor sister has to listen to me. Yeah. Great. She has to, Oh God. Got to make him a bottle when I get home. Yeah. And rub his feet. So he just doesn't and tuck him in at night. Yeah. Poor baby. But that doesn't happen too often. Yeah. I think the last movie that happened was Spectre. That I was just, just mad. Yeah. Really? So mad. That's interesting. It wasn't that bad. It, they ripped off a the twist of the story. They ripped off of Austin Powers with Blofeld being what his f- brother. Oh, it's just I don't know. They're, the mid two thousand or the two thousand the twenty tens just had this horrible, this horrible horrible uh, cliche of let's take this giant world that we have and shrink it down to. Only take only being taken into account a select group of people. So you had, um, and all movies suffered from that. So you had James Bond did it with, oh, Blofeld, let's make him his brother. That's interesting. No, it's not. It's lazy. It's lazy <laughs> writing, is what it is. Um, and it doesn't make sense. Like really, like, what are the odds? That's a like, good kind point. of a thing. And why can't it just be like, what's more scary? Like, oh, it's my brother, or. Oh, it's just a random person that you have no idea who they are. You're right. One of the best villains of the past 15 years was Heath Ledger's Joker. Didn't know anything about him. Right. And you you still don't. Yeah, you still don't. Yeah. You don't need to. It's just a random person. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did the same thing with the the Amazing Spider-Man. They made the whole thing to where, oh, instead of Peter just being bit by a spider, it's, well, his father was a scientist and was working, and it just Peter's DNA just is the only one that could have worked with the bite or the spider. And all. And no, it's crap. It's crap. It's not, it's forcing it's connections. Not, it's not elevating Trying the story. to make it sound mysterious and everything. No, just leave People You don't like, have to connect all the dots. Yeah. Right. That, it's not a mystery. It's like, it was an accident that happened, and that's part of the charm of Spider-Man. It's where... Anybody could be Spider-Man because it was an accident. Not well. If your father's a, uh, if your father's a scientist and is working on a radioactive spider, and then it just takes part of your DNA and he builds that part of the that no. doesn't even make sense. It, it kills it. it. Yeah, it sucks. Doesn't even make sense. It sucks <laughs> because 
Harry Potter, huge success yeah. because anybody could be a wizard. That was what kids were drawn to when they read the books and they watched the movies. Like, oh, he didn't even know that he w- could be a wizard. Mm-hmm. Anybody could fill in there. Neo in the Matrix, anybody could be the one. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's getting that audience buy-in or being able to see yourself as the inserting main yourself into the story. Yeah. Exactly. And shrinking the story like that is it's it's lazy it doesn't make it more interesting it's very soap opera it is it's like young and the restless yeah what are we talking about i don't <laughs> bruce willis oh yeah <laughs> the hell did we get the squirrel oh, oh yeah um but yeah so i've never walked out of a movie theater i just sit and stew but yeah i didn't like specter hmm. um I liked it one degree more after no time to die. But anyways, back to Bruce Willis. (laughs) Um, But no, I I liked his, uh, I think I have fifth element, I think is probably one of his. That is so over the top. It is. And but it's good. Yeah. It's, it's it's very imaginative. It's fun. Yes. You can tell he's having fun with it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, Fifth Element is not, I don't think it's his best performance. I think it's probably one of his better movies, but that, I, I mean, Luke Basson and Luke Basson. Uh, Chris Tucker and all those, yeah. th- that was a, that was definitely a, I remember, a combined I, effort. Of, I remember seeing the uh, trailer of that and just thinking, what the hell? Mm-hmm. This looks awesome. Now, now the effects are a little dated, but uh, it, it reminded me of Blade Runner. First time I saw Blade Runner, uh, the, the trailer of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, fifth element comes up and i just like wow what a trailer i want to see it right away yeah. and yeah when it came out mm-hmm. i just wasn't expecting it to be so goofy yeah because the trailer was serious that movie's goofy mm-hmm. but it's it's goofy in a good way yeah 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 it's it's enjoyable it's fun what the it's, hell is gary oldman doing in that movie whatever he wants there's like a tennessee he can, he can <laughs> tennessee oil man right to left did you got yes. your hand in flamethrower <laughs> my personal favorite <laughs> what is he doing He's got uh, like a plastic, like I don't yeah, even know what the hell. Yeah, plastic thing, is. thing over his. Th- is like holding he, his to wig hold on. his part. I, yeah. I don't know. So so good. <laughs> Multipass. That that's what I. Uh, that was the movie I first realized that the trope of Luke Besson having some girl in a lingerie shooting something. Um, it was usually in like because you had La Femme Nikita. That's his. That's right. You had uh, Fifth Element and then the Transporter movies, not directed by him, but they were produced Mm -hmm. by Luke Besson. Random lady in a lingerie wielding guns kind of like that was like his his thing. Like it was it was like his uh, Michael Bay has explosions and that 360 camera movement. That's right. He has uh, J.J. Abrams has lens flares. Yep. That's right. Everyone's got their thing and he's got uh Femme fatales and lingerie shooting guns. That's right. And uh, America, America. Even, though, even though he's French. Yeah, even though he's French. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, death becomes her. Yeah, that, that was another one that I liked. That was, uh, I. <laughs> That's like the definition of a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. The first thing I always think of because I remember when I, when I first saw that, the only thing I know saw him in was Die Hard, mm-hmm. and I saw him in death becomes her and i remember him looking older in that like his hair was a little bit more thinner i mean he had glasses he wasn't he was presented as a nerd and a doctor so he wasn't as youthful looking and i yes. thought i was like oh he's looking really old and i felt so 
sad. But it, I mean, I was like eight or something like that. And I was like, oh, he's, he's getting older. <laughs> but the seven year, or, uh, not seven, but four years later, he's in Die Hard with a Vengeance. And it looks exactly, exactly the same. Yeah. So same guy. But yeah, that for some reason, whatever I think of death becomes her, I was like, oh, that's that's the first time I felt sad about someone being older or getting older or thinking they're getting older was wow what a it's just a weird realization yeah it was a (laughs) it's just a weird thing that happened at that time wow but well he was your hero he was he's the diehard guy he was i I like him (laughs) he's fun but yeah it's uh it sucks what's happening to him i Um, know i uh more power to him hopefully he can be comfortable for forever so um but i enjoyed his enjoyed his movies of course yeah um the other thing any more on bruce willis no the other uh item that came up is jim carrey has not officially announced it but he brought up the very strong possibility that he may be retiring so um again he hasn't officially announced it but he said uh i i have enough and i've done enough I think he's been on this train for a couple the past couple of years now. Yeah. And and I don't know. I mean, there's some people that just say, Oh, I'm I'm never doing this again, and then they show up for Sonic part two. Um, but he said after Sonic, he's like that very strong possibility that'll be his last movie. Did you see his uh uh I can't remember what year, I think it was the two thousand sixteen ish Golden Globes where he goes on ZZ Top. Yes. Did he have his beard? He's got the beard. Yeah. He's got the beard. And he's presenting something mm-hmm. and he, he's, you know, they're like two time Academy golden globe winner, Jim Carrey. And he gets up there and he goes, I am two time golden globe <laughs> award winning Jim Carrey. I'm not just some guy up here talking to you. And when I go to bed at night, I'm not just a normal guy going to bed. I'm two time golden globe winning Jim Carrey getting some well-deserved shut eye. <laughs> he goes, and when I dream, I just don't dream any old dream. I dream of being three-time Golden Globe winning Jim <laughs> Carrey. <laughs> he goes, because then I, I, I would be enough. <laughs> it would finally be true, and I could stop this, this awful search. <laughs> it's, it's just fucking perfect. I love it. Anyway, he's taking a shit on, you know, the awards and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, I think at that moment is when he's just he's over it. He's over it. You he know, I just I'm making movies just to pay the bills and retire, and the rest is history, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't even know if he needs to pay the bills because I mean he was. I I remember he was being paid twenty million dollars per movie, and this was like in the nineties. I know, the cable guy. Yeah, and have you heard the story his of his his dad and. It's it's so cool. No. His dad, I think he died of cancer when he was, I think, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, before his dad died, you know, he was very into, he knew he was going to be a comedian and it's, that's that was his dream. And he grew up very dirt poor, not a lot of money. And he told his dad, you know, one of, the, one of these days, you know, dad, I'm going to buy you everything and I'm going gonna, gonna to make millions of dollars and all that stuff. And then when he got Cable Guy... You know, twenty years down the twenty years down the road, and he wrote a blank check and he for twenty million dollars because that was his salary, and he put it next to his dad's uh, gravestone. Hmm. It's just like a nice little, yeah, yeah. It's cool, nice, I like that. 
what do you think his legacy is going to be? I wrote something down here. Uh, has there ever been a run of success in a span of four years? So from 94 to 98. So this is when like prime yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah. What four movies came out during that? No, no, no. It's not four movies. It's eight movies, Jay. Uh, oh. Here, I'm going to list them off. Yes. Ace Ventura, yep. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, Batman Forever, Cable Guy, Liar Liar, The Truman Show. Every one of those movies was a box office crazy success. Mm -hmm. Lots of them are like Dumb and Dumber is one of the best comedies ever made, hands down. Uh, Truman Show. I love the Truman Show. Truman mm -hmm. Show is great, and that that was his like departure from comedy into well, there's comedy in it, but he's it's a dramatic role. Yeah. But uh, I mean that's uh, that's unmet. I I can't think of a actor with that number of films in a span of four years. Yeah. It was so successful. Well, not even four years, but just I mean, even thinking about it in eight films. Yeah. Eight films in a row of being, I mean, Just maybe bam, bam, bam. Uh, maybe Tom Cruise. I'm, I'm trying to think You're of throwing a days star. of thunder. <laughs> I mean, uh, what was that stupid Ron Howard movie? And they were they're Irish and they don't even have Irish accents. Remember uh, that? That that movie's not stupid. Oh my gosh, that, that movie is. <laughs> I love that movie. Do you really? I do. I do. I I, I can't get past the Irish accents. Come on. Uh, all the accents suck, but um. We have to go get the potatoes. <laughs> Hurry up. Land. Land. <laughs> get the missus. It's like so bad. It's, it's I have just now a better Irish accent than Tom Cruise uh, did in that movie. But it's I mean, yeah, I like that movie. It's it's a uh it's a childhood thing. I watched that so many times mm. when I was younger. Um I like the journey of it. Just, gotcha. It was the, yeah, the, What's the movie called? I can't even Far and Away. Far and Away. Okay. Yeah. Um and uh yeah i enjoy it <laughs> it's, it's i'm shitting on your childhood no, i'm so sorry no don't, don't feel sorry uh I, i'm not apologizing for liking it. i just i like that movie i uh i i watched it i think a couple of years ago uh with uh your sister because she hadn't seen it mm. I, don't, I don't think she had seen it before uh, so but no, that's a fair point. Tom Cruise, I mean, yeah, he had a run. Yeah, but I mean, it's... But there was some stinkers in there. Yeah, and I mean, Eddie Murphy had a pretty good run um, of things, but I, I mean, don't think it was as strong as what Jim... Yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey was the funniest person in the 90s. I don't think there was anyone... I mean, you had David Spade and uh, Chris Farley in the nineties. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Tommy boy and black sheep are great, but it wasn't, it wasn't as popular as that. Um, especially for people our age during that time. Um, there's no doubt that Jim Carrey was the top star. I would argue mm -hmm. you could argue between him and Will Smith, maybe as being like the top because Will Smith had that run of independence day, men in black, um, uh, enemy of the state, just hit after hit after hit. Yeah. And. Oh, bad boys. Duh. Yeah. But no, Jim Carrey, everything just one after another. And I think after Truman show, he made, you know, man on the moon, by the way, the majestic, 
the majestic uh which uh, i like the majestic i saw that and i was like oh, that's a good little movie yeah i like that oh frank darabont by the way who directed the best movie ever made in shawshank redemption hmm. it's a pretty good movie <laughs> i don't think it's his best movie but uh it's a pretty good movie uh, um oh yeah. and then how the grinch stole christmas i mean just massive hit at bruce almighty yeah i have um i'll go into the ones i i like i like most but I mean, do you think, and I asked you this before, do you think he's going to, do you think people will look back 30 years from now and be like, Jim Carrey, one of the best, funniest people? I think so. But I get where you're, 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 you're going here, and I'll let you, I'll let you talk, yeah. I'm talking about it. But do I, yeah, I think he made his impact on comedy. Okay. There's no doubt. I, it, it, I mean, comedy's hard just by itself and comedy is hard for it to remain timeless mm -hmm. to where there's some Jerry Lewis mood, like some of the icons of comedy that everyone's like, Oh, Jerry Lewis. And then you have, um, uh, Gene Wilder. You have, I mean, comedy gets dated very easily. A few comedies can remain timeless. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I think dumb and dumber maybe one of those movies that can be timeless. Um, I don't know if it is timeless or if it's because we watched it so many times when we were younger. Ace Ventura, uh, When Nature Calls, at least, I tried watching that. I, 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 I couldn't do it. Um, Can't, couldn't even finish it? I, yeah, I was just like, oh. So I mean, that... it feels dated to me. It, um, it was such over-the-top comedy, like very, very performance. I'm goofy. Yep. style of comedy um, the scene with the rhino though where he gives <laughs> i can't not cry laughing it's so good jay that is pretty good that is good that's the, timeless there you go um my <laughs> because sounds he's making oh my god uh it, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying yeah you know it, what a movie is like that is billy madison it's the same kind. Like I can't watch Billy Madison anymore mm -hmm. and get you know because it's not that funny. Yeah, it's the you know it's I, stupid humor. Right. Um, I loved it when I was nine and ten. And I haven't seen. I think this is comedies in that era. The one that I've seen recently, all the way through, and this is, I mean, I don't even know when the last time I saw this was probably Dumb and Dumber, um, and the writing and the Fairly Brothers are you? I mean, they're they're solid. They're really good, and I think some of that timeless credit definitely goes to them yes uh with their writing and their uh directing um i i feel like though i don't i don't know if he'll be looked upon as like one of the funniest people in cinema just because his run was so short it was four years yeah it was eight movies but right after you had that four years then we started getting into the uh snl and um Road, uh, Roadhouse, uh, <laughs> Road Trip, uh, Old School. Oh, like Todd Phillips. Todd and Phillips. Judd Apatow. Yeah, Todd, Todd Phillips. And then you had, uh, hold on. All right. You had Todd Phillips. You had Judd Apatow. Um, so you went from kind of like men behaving badly style of comedy with Todd Phillips and Old School and The Hangover. And then that slowly went into the Judd Apatow, which is more improv based yeah. and stuff like that, which I don't think those 
are going to hold up as well either. But comedy moves so fast. It does. Um, and what he was so popular in such a short amount of time, I, I feel like it's, I mean, it's going to end up being like a time capsule. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously only time will tell. It will, it'd be interesting when our kids 10 years older mm-hmm. watch those movies to, if they find them funny. They'll or find Ace Ventura funny. If I think they'll find Ace Ventura funny now. Yes. Um, I, because I, it is very over the top animated humor. Um, so I think children would easily laugh at that, not knowing what anything is meaning, but, oh, he's talking out of his butt and yeah. he's doing funny movements and that, that's just funny, uh, to little kids. Now, when they're teenagers, are they still going to find that funny? Or is it going to feel dated? Is it going to feel like, what the heck is... Because there, I, I've seen some Jerry Lewis stuff. I don't think it picks up on the... <clears throat> I've seen some Jerry Lewis stuff. Um, God damn. Hold on. Are, are we done? You up to date? Christ. Um, I've seen some Jerry Lewis stuff that I'm just like, uh, all Like right. in any professor? Yeah. It's a little dated. Not, yeah. yeah. And to where... Or like the Three Stooges, like who's going in and watch? I can't wait to uh, yeah. I'm gonna pop in the Three Stooges and chuckle it up for yeah. a couple of hours. I, I think it's I think it'll end up being a oh that's what we liked when we were we were kids because um, I remember when we were that age in the 90s I would say oh Jim Carrey's so funny and I'd I'd show my dad like oh he's so funny watching it and did not didn't even fu- laugh didn't laugh once and. Um, he just thought he was stupid. <laughs> and that's the way I can adult- totally see your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's bad. That's stupid. Yeah. It looks like an asshole. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, that's what I'm, a, I'm afraid of. But I mean, having said that, I think me, myself, my Irene, I think that's probably my favorite movie that he did <laughs> it's pretty good. because <laughs> it his 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 over the top comedic style. Like that's that's a movie I can see watching over and over again i mean again i think that was a fair yeah that was a fairly, fairly brothers, brothers again and yeah but just his switching between personalities and how different those two personalities are it's i mean it gets me every time every time when he's like looking at that kid and he's like the fuck you looking at four eyes and he <laughs> like stands like and yeah. drops his drink um <laughs> I, I think liar liar's time was though it's such a good concept for a movie it's so simple and the situations that, uh, you know, yeah, I wish my dad couldn't lie for 24 hours mm-hmm. and he's a lawyer. Yeah. That is more of a toned down. Yeah. He's not he as did. over the top. And I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's a role for Jim Carrey, but mm-hmm. he's not Ace Ventura in that movie. Correct. But at all. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> me, myself, I'm sorry. I got yeah, wait. <laughs> this, this. Let's talk about me, myself and Irene some more. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, uh, has one of my favorite lines. He's like, I can't believe it. You're disgusting. You took advantage of me. And and you knew, like, you you just said what you wanted to say just so you could have sex with me. And he's like, but you got to look at it from my point of view. I was horny. <laughs> <laughs> I about to spit out my drink the first time I heard that. And <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love that movie uh, so much. But um. No, I mean that movie, uh, Bruce Almighty, yeah, um, is another one. But and then for his like dramatic stuff, I would say Truman Show, 
um man on the moon i'm since that documentary came out i didn't i i could not watch the documentary yeah Um, not a fan of it yeah if that was jim carrey's way of a joke like oh i'm gonna be so pretentious in this so method yeah i'm just going to i'm just gonna go so over the top like oh well i was andy and i'm gonna act like i was Andy. but in the back of his head is like what kind of idiots are gonna eat this shit up like kind of a thing bravo you did a good job i guess but um i mean documentary aside that movie the movie itself is very entertaining it and is. I thought he thought he worked very well in that role yes absolutely um and <clears throat> i think eternal sunshine in the spotless mind is very good i've seen, i've only seen that it's, once it's very and creative and it's he's great in it mm-hmm. yeah the i remember him being good i remember liking it i remember liking it because of the like michelle gondry uh yeah. directed that and um i love he he in like Spike Jones and uh God, who's the other guy that I'm thinking of? Music uh, video. No, he he's a very eccentric. He's a, a writer, director. He wrote he wrote that. Oh man. I can't think of, like one night in Poughkeepsie or something. Uh, with with uh Philip C. Hoffman and anyway, I'll I'll look it up here. Um but yeah, Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones, mm-hmm. they they're like to me, they're like interchangeable almost like their movie styles, like being John Malkovich reminds me of eternal sunshine and the spotless mind mm-hmm. adaption reminds me of that. Yeah. And it might've been just the times too. Cause there's a lot of movies that came out. I mean, th- they all came out around the same kind of, yeah. Same time period, same time period. Um, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman. Thank you. Yeah. That's the one. Um, That's the one. Yeah. No, eternal sunshine was good. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's I I haven't seen a lot of like his dramatic stuff, like the number twenty three. I never saw um, some of his. It's not good. I mean, I don't. Uh, yes, man, I thought was good. Mm. Um, like fun with Dick and Jane. It's kind of just. <laughs> yeah, and safe safe choices. You know, just kind of fits his his niche in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say after Eternal Sunshine, like you know, his movies were okay. Yeah. Safe choices. And Lim- that, Lemony and Snickets is another like, okay, safe yeah, choice. Yeah. He, and I felt like, I mean, I don't know if he saw the writing on the wall. That's why, I mean, maybe he could just got done. He got tired of doing comedy. Yeah. Um, but be, I mean, his sense of humor wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't a joke. He wasn't like a joke, like a jokey joke writer, mm-hmm. like, you know, the the setup and then the punchline. It was just the punchline. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to be a bombastic and boisterous and uh, yeah. make people laugh with my performance. Mm-hmm. So I see what you're saying. It's not like Eddie Murphy, yeah. you know, Yep. he's quick witted and line after line after line kind of thing. And um, it's very slapsticky. Yes. And physical humor. It kind of reminds me of. I don't want to call him a one trick pony, but it's sort of like Gallagher. Like his mm-hmm. shtick is, I want to make you laugh by smashing watermelons. Yeah. And that's how he makes you laugh. And that's how Jim Carrey makes you laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he made me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, yeah. Dumb and Dumber is, I'm sorry, that is a comedy classic in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Untouchable. That'll always be funny to me. Did you ever see the sequel? I did. Was it um, good? It's okay. Yeah. Um, they just seemed like old, yeah, like tired. 
Like, like, like they weren't into it. Yes. Then they, it felt like something they had to do, not something they wanted to do. Did the Fairley brothers direct? Yeah, them? they did. They did. Yep. And there was a lot of gags in there. I mean, I've only seen it once. It's it's been a while, which kind of goes to show why you know I thought it was okay. I've only seen yeah. it once. I've seen Dumb and Dumber. I, I watch that every year, at least once. Uh, part of it too. I mean, you you have Dumb and Dumber. You had you built it up for twenty years, oh, twenty five yeah. years, and then they come out with the sequel. Of course, it's not going to live up to that. I know. It's, but but they had gags in it that just you could tell they were just doing it to do the gag mm-hmm. like you know well we we uh we we harry's tongue was stuck to the pole last time well how about we stick his testicles on something this time oh that'll be crazy it's up the ante sequel okay. is that kind of thing yeah i See, mean i don't know that i, I figured the I, I was hoping the fairly brothers would have done something different because i think sequels especially that being that long Changing the kind of movie it is, I think sequels are really only successful once you do that. Um, especially after a certain period. I mean, it's hard to do it with movies that are iconic, like Dumb and Dumber, um, to where I feel like they, I mean, they should have changed the comedy up some a little bit, a little bit, because the Fairly Brothers have range as far as I mean, you they have you're like your your over the top stuff with like Dumb and Dumber or there's something about Mary with the jizz in the hair. So yeah, but I mean, but and that movie gets goofy at some points. Kingpin is really goofy. Yes. Um, and but then you have like the heartbreak kid, and that's fairly fairly. That's fairly brothers. Yeah, it's not. You're right. It's not overly goofy. Yeah, and to where the the comedy is more like the situation as opposed to and like people kind of playing it straight. Mm. Um, and you have some absurdity in there. Um. So I was surprised that, yeah, they just didn't want to kind of create a different kind of movie. And what I'm thinking of is like, you have Alien and great horror film, but the sequel is an action movie. Mm-hmm. You have Terminator, same director of sequel, but <laughs> you have Terminator, which is a sci-fi, had some action in it, but I mean, it's kind of a dark sci-fi. Borderline horror. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was definitely like scary. Yeah. Um, and then you have T2, which is one of the best action movies ever made. Yeah. And so I think ch- like changing the movie slightly for the sequel, uh, making it a little bit of a different thing, um, I think works. It felt like they just they wrote situations and mm-hmm. then they let Jim and, and Jeff Daniels just do what they want. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do, but here's where we wanted to start, and here's where we wanted to end. You fill in the gaps. That's what it felt like. Oh, yeah. I barely remember what the story is about, Jay. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> That's how memorable it is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, since we're talking about Jim Carrey. So, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, especially with uh, Uncut Gems that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pose this question to you because I think it's an interesting conversation, Jay. Is it easier for comedians to do drama than vice versa? Yes. Yes. Not a ton of Leo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt starring in Ace Ventura nowadays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brad Pitt's comedy is the stoner person. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's easier for I definitely think it's easier for comedians to do drama. Then yeah, vice versa. Why is that? I I think it's timing. 
And that's a lot of it. I mean, just timing and being able to be goofy. The problem, and I don't know, I'm not an actor, but it's maybe maybe dramatic actors think too highly of themselves to where they they're t- they take themselves too seriously. Mm. Um, I think comedy is probably one of the hardest things you can do. Um, not that drama isn't hard, but I think there's a sense of timing. There's... It's yeah. It, it's it, you need that that the the quickness right. Um, and it's hard to master that. I think a lot of comedians are so great is because they've experienced some sort of like I don't know not not that every comedian's life is traumatic or whatever, but they've experienced something in their life that is uh, I'm yeah traumatic or depressing mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, and to and to fill that or jump the hurdle, they're just naturally funny they're trying to make light of the situation yeah and i think um not not that dramatic actors don't have hardships or don't have that but they're also not they draw on that a lot more Mm. that's where they get their dramatic chops or if, if they're reaching back in their own experiences for something it's hard to um it's easy to do that to be funny you're not drawing back on a past experience of being funny it's recreating a humorous situation. It's presenting something, knowing how, how something is funny because and part of that's in the editing part of that's in the acting to where, um, even if you're having a conversation with somebody, you could just be reciting a story and the way you recite it and the speed that you recite it is going to depend if it's funny or not. I mean, there's so much things that go into that, um, as opposed to, Oh, this is serious because, there's a there's a sick puppy. It's serious, kind yeah. of a thing. To where um, there's nothing for them to draw draw back on. To where comedic actors they can easily draw back on a past experience to remind them or to get that emotion over. Um, be or if that that sense of like if they have to cry or if they have to yeah have that sense of loss or whatever because everyone experiences that. everyone does but they're their whole craft is from creating something funny as opposed to creating something that is inspired by something they're aware of Mm. or something that they've experienced. So that's why I think it's probably the difference is that the, for comedy, you're making something out of thin air and, um, and And it takes practice. It does. It, 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 um, it takes practice. It doesn't in the chemistry there too. I mean, if, I mean, you got to have other funny people and it could be the director could be, but I mean, I think. And I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody who uh, started off dramatic and then just hit Leslie their, Nielsen, hit their niche in comedy. Really? Yeah. He was a dram- airplane <clears throat> is one of my favorite comedies. The everyone in that movie played it straight. I think majority of the people in that movie were known as dramatic actors. Really? Yeah. And they were picked for that movie because they were dramatic Dramatic. actors. And that, because everyone in that movie plays the straight man. They do. The the most absurd shit is happening all around everybody, but everyone is just dead serious. (laughs) And they just let the situation be the funny thing. Not, I mean, it's not. (laughs) 
but Leslie Nielsen, I think yeah. there's the first one that comes to my mind because he was, um, I forget what TV show he was on, but he was just known as a dramatic actor. And then after airplane, I think it was, he was doing, doing comedy. Um, I think there's some actors that are, uh, started, started off strictly drama. Now they're not really com- comedic actors, but they're very funny in their movies. Mm-hmm. Like right off the top of my head, Robert Downey Jr. He was, he, was, on, he was on SNL. I know he was, but when I was introduced with Robert Downey Jr., it's like a star of Chaplin mm-hmm. and uh, U.S. Marshals. He's in these dramatic movies. Doesn't really touch comedy. Now he's, I mean, yeah. Mar- in Mar- the, the MCU as Iron Man, it's not a comedic role, but mm-hmm. he's funny in it. Another name, Chris Hemsworth. I never thought that Chris Hemsworth was going to be like a comedic star, but he's very funny. Mm-hmm. In his roles in his movies, um, Channing Tatum. <laughs> he started off as like the the everyday romantic lead in rom coms or or what have you, and now he's you know starring with Sandra Bullock in the latest. He's it's a strictly comedic role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and he may have always been funny too, but yeah, and so, some of the I mean I think it's. I think some people are just funny. That's right. I was. Just, that's what. That's my point. It's some. Maybe it's just natural. Yeah. You have to be natural at it. And because Channing Tatum, I think it's probably always been funny. Probably. Um, and what was it? What, Step Up or something? I mean, it wasn't like he was a, a fuck boy on uh, Step Coach Up. Car- yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like Coach <laughs> Carter. Like Ugh. that was his name, Fuck <laughs> Boy. <laughs> um, but this is I my think- boyfriend, Fuck Boy. Yeah, I think part of that is just having to be, I mean, just always being funny. Um, Sorry. No, I'm just, no I'm, just, I'm just thinking <laughs> someone's writing the script and fuckboy st- <laughs> comes in. Yeah, he steals the ball <laughs> and doesn't listen to Coach Carter and gets to run laps. Fuckboy comes in and starts doing the worm. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh boy. But no, yeah, I mean, maybe... It, Maybe they're just born with it. Maybe yeah. it just comes more naturally to some people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, time will tell. I think I think you bring up a good point, though. I don't I don't think it he could go by the way of like Jerry Lewis and Three Stooges, where his comedy doesn't really age all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there'd be some exceptions to that, like Dumb and Dumber. I think that's always going to be funny, mm-hmm. regardless of the generation. Liar, liar. Yeah, I mean his lower key movies like it, yeah. Ace Ventura is going to be tough to. Uh, it's <laughs> it'll it'll always be funny to like seven and eight year olds because yeah. he's talking out of his butt mm-hmm. on one of them, you know. Yeah, it's very it. It's very childish. It is for but, sure, and it's weird too because it wasn't. It's not that movie is not made for kids. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> so <laughs> so much shit in there. There's a there's a sex scene where like the the room is basically shaking and all the animals are watching them. You yeah. know, and it's yeah. you know, what's that? What's the song? You know, the Awimoe. Awimoe. Yeah, the yeah. in yeah. the jungle. In yeah. the jungle. Yeah, that's playing in the background. And then the Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. That's good. Your they, gun is digging into my I hip. Oh, God. God. <laughs> hey, Ace, you got more of that gum? Why don't you mind your goddamn business, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Keep your mind out of my personal affairs. Weird guy, Ace. <laughs> uh, Ventura. Yes, Satan. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I thought you were someone else. 
See, we still like it. We're her reciting the whole damn yeah. movie. Oh, uh, it, yeah, it's funny. It's just I don't. I, I mean, of course, if it, if you ask me, oh, who, well, who's in the past 20, 30 years, who's going to be the comedy legacy out of that time period? I mean, Jim Carrey would definitely be in yeah, there. Yeah, he'd like, have to be. He, him, Chris Farley, and David Spade, especially the, those two as a pair. Yep. Um, Adam Sandler came out with like the water boy and Billy yeah. Madison and John Happy Candy. Gilmore. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Will Ferrell. <laughs> um, so. I oh mean, man, I could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast about John Candy. I love John Candy. Yeah. He was. <sighs> what a treasure. Do a whole podcast on Canadian. Yeah. Canadians that came from second city. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, uh, well, uh, I, I mean, if he retires, I mean, yeah. great run. What do you think his best movie is? He retires. Ooh. Do best comedy, best. Okay. No, no, actually, no. Best best movie. His best movie. Yeah, his best performance. Because I don't want to, don't pick the best movie he was in, pick the best performance he had in a movie. Uh, Truman Show. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'd probably, yeah. 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 He's funny in it. Yeah. He's got some dramatic chops there. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I will agree. Uh, I don't want to, but I will. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're about an hour into this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Are we? Yeah. <laughs> what we just talk about? I forget. Here, let's start at the beginning. All right. <laughs> you do Welcome. That <laughs> uh, All right. Um, okay. Top five favorite bed. Jesus. Top five favorite directors. Hmm. Um, so that's what we're talking about this week. That's our feature. Yeah, that's our this is our feature segment. That's top, what me top, and you spent our last week diving into. Yeah, our top five favorite directors. There's so, so many to choose from, Jay. There are. I had a tougher time coming yeah, up with let's this. Let's talk about the yeah. Let's talk about the the tough time that we had picking these because I gotta tell you, I spent way too much time thinking about this. I did too, <laughs> and I, I was talking about it uh, with my wife. And <laughs> you talked about it with Christy. Yeah, I was like, I love it. I was like, what do I, <laughs> what do I do? Uh, it, because I, I had two right off the bat that I knew were going to be on the list. Right, and those were the easiest. It was filling in the other three. Yep. And I was trying to think, I was like, all right, how am I going to, first, I knew right off the bat, I'm not going to pick directors to where I like all of their movies because that's impossible. I, I, there's not a single director on my list that I like all, all of their, their movies. movies. Yeah. Um, there's, um, I knew I, uh, I tried to make it, make sure it was about the directing too, mm. not the writing because I was looking at, because I would look at, I would try and find their style or their kind, their contribution to the movie because it's very like, Oh, it's such a good movie. Okay. But was that because of the writing, like some of the acting portions gotcha. of it or the, um, like I, Jesus. Amber alert. Oh no. Hopefully they find them. I hope so. Um, hmm. 
So where was I? Oh, uh, but yeah, I didn't want it to be about liking all their movies. Um, I wanted to make sure it was about the actual directing. So I, but I didn't want them to be all auteurs. I wanted to make sure I had some people because you have some people that are just writer directors. That's a, that's a big recurring thing to where, Oh, they're writer directors. And, um, to where I like some writer directors that write really, really well. And I like their movies because of the writing, not necessarily the directing directing. And so I wanted to make sure I was picking people that I like their directing, not necessarily the writing. So, um, having said that wow i am impressed yeah so that's not how i <laughs> no no so and that's what damn it maybe i should have there's a lot of movies that i liked and i i i have a list of people yeah. and i'll say this i purposely did not pick spielberg or scorsese um because i like a very segmented portion of their filmography okay and that's why i like them um, to where like, I, and I told Christy this, I was like, I love Spielberg from Jaws all the way to, uh, up until Lost World. And there's a couple of movies after that, like Catch Me If You Can and stuff that I really enjoyed. But like, those are the movies that I liked. And is it because I grew up with them or is it because I like it? I mean, he's a great director. He's definitely one of the best directors that's ever lived. Same thing with Scorsese. Um, and Scorsese, same thing. I liked him from Goodfellas in 89 all the way through uh, Shutter Island <clears throat> and um, and all that. But it one You didn't like Hugo? That was right after yeah, Shutter Island. At least, at least he tried. <laughs> the um, I, I like what he did with 3D. Um, yeah. I like that, that part of it. Um, the story was... Eh. Uh, but... I mean, that's not his fault, but I, I liked how he used 3D. Yeah. Um, I get what you're saying. So Scorsese and Spielberg, I, yes. Yeah, Scorsese, Spielberg, I really threw out because I think they're they're in a, a category all their own. I mean, of course, they're they're great. Um, I wanted... You want to make the conversation more lively. Well, that, that and like, I don't know. I mean, it's... If if we go into Spielberg, I'd rather talk about individual movies, not just him yes. overall as so, a director. Yeah, okay. as a director. Um, but I had some honorable mentions. Um, I'll touch on those really quick, and then I'll sure, throw yeah. over you. Go you ahead. can talk about how you picked it. But yeah, um, uh, some honorable mentions. Rob Reiner. He was very close to being in there just because uh, Princess Bride. Uh, he I picked him because of his ability to direct performances that elicit emotional responses and because i liked him in he did a 2010 movie flipped um small movie never saw it um pretty good it's got the uh the father from fraser in there um the kids are whatever i don't know who they are but uh anthony edwards um is in there uh pretty good little it's about like first love like these two kids um and uh then he did uh Princess Bride, which is great. Um, uh, when Harry Met Sally, which is probably one of my favorite romantic comedies. I, <laughs> of course, part of that could just be Billy Crystal. But yeah, um, but yeah Rob Reiner, um, 
he was in there. Like he he was almost under the top. Yeah, I mean, five. Stand by Me is one of my fa- it might be my favorite kids movie. Mm-hmm. About when you watch Stand by Me when you're like 11 or 12, you're just thinking, "Wow, these kids are the coolest kids." Mm-hmm. I wish I could talk like that, act like that. Uh, a great like journey movie. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Misery. Holy shit, Misery's good. That's uh, a good movie. Stand by Me is Rob Reiner has been quoted saying that's his favorite. He's he considers that his masterpiece. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah. So Rob Reiner was in there. Um, I had uh, Tony Scott. Um, is in it, which I think he's the ta- more talented. Do you like Tony Scott over Ridley Scott? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's oh. one. Th- oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh 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 yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, I I I love one of Ridley Scott's movies, and that's Alien. That's it. That's it. Just I, one. Just one. You didn't love The Martian. I, I thought it was a good movie. Oh, I did, okay, but I mean, it's it's okay. Yeah. All right. Tight. Tight. Uh, <laughs> Wait, love- Thelma and Louise isn't on your top twenty, Jay? No. <laughs> the uh it's not um but alien certainly is you know why i think you don't like deep down why you don't like ridley scott all that much is because he put russell crowe in pretty much every damn thing he did past 2000 a little bit yeah it's because he's british okay that's why i like tony scott because ridley scott's australian right huh is he yes oh (laughs) (laughs) i thought they were from england no, no, no. they are from uh, Australia. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's probably why he picked Russell Crowe first. You could have said anything. You know what? It's because he's from Kazakhstan. That's why I don't like him. Yeah, yeah. Would have made more sense than it would have. Been- <laughs> they, they all sound alike. You know why I don't like him? <laughs> it's because he's from England. Yeah. F- <laughs> fucking redcoats. Yeah, uh, but no, Tony Scott's my favorite Ridley. Uh, mm. or my favorite. Uh, Your favorite Scott. Ridley? Yeah, my favorite Ridley. <laughs> Better than his brother. Yeah. Um, but. That and I feel like Tony Scott just he Ridley. I always felt like he was chasing awards. Mm. Um, where Tony Scott, I felt like I'm gonna make a a good movie, good entertaining Solid movie. Entertaining. Yeah. yeah, he he made a bunch. True Romance, uh, The Last Boy Scout, um, Top Man Gun. on Fire, Man on Fire, which I think is it's very good. Uh, which in the 2000s too, he went into this weird like neon filter, yeah, filter like super hyper cuts and yeah. stuff like that. He, at least he was playing with like, he was changing it experimenting up a little bit, experimenting a little bit. Yeah. Cause that and deja vu and domino off, and domino, like the same sort of techniques mm-hmm. to tell that those stories. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Mike Nichols was in there. Mm-hmm. He directed the graduate, uh, which is, one of my favorite movies um probably one of the best edited movies i feel like um and richard donner that almost made your list almost made my list are you a big superman fan though like yes you are oh yes. oh <laughs> uh, uh, that that i think ladies and gentlemen jay just gave me the side eye like, yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah those see because i'm I'm a fan of Superman one, Superman two and Superman returns. Great. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think Brian Singer did a good job mimicking that kind of style and that Mm. kind of feel Brandon Routh. I thought it was a great Superman, but yeah, no, I think uh, Superman one and two is great. I, uh, that was one of the first movies I showed 
my oldest, and she loved it. Really? Uh, yeah. She's like, I want to watch Superman again. No shit. Yeah. And, I mean, she didn't sit and watch the whole thing, but she, I mean, she was she yeah she, she, she was, was halfway attentive. Yeah. Yeah. I like Superman, which we could do a whole thing on that. I haven't seen that, those in forever. So good. It's been forever. I mean, it's just. It, uh, but Richard Donner is awesome. Yeah, I mean Goonies. It, you had Goonies, Sixteen Blocks with Bruce Willis. You yeah. had the Lethal Weapon movies. You had. Yeah. Um, he did a very oh Maverick, one of my favorite comedies yeah. with uh, Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and uh, James Garner. James Garner. Yeah. Um, I watched the crap out of that movie when I was a kid. Um, love Maverick. The uh, he did. Uh, he he had some humor chops. He he yeah. He was just a. But didn't he do the Omen? I think so. I think he did the Omen, the original one. The uh, he that, did, that's good. I haven't seen it. I know you're not a big horror yeah. fan, but it's good. Gregory Peck's in there, yeah. and uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird, Gregory Peck. No, it's uh, I remember seeing that as a as a kid and just being creeped out because Damien scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And it's the scene where the opening scene where the maid like. Damien, this is all for you. And she jumps to her death and like hangs herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's like in the first five minutes of the movie. Hmm. It's always, it always stuck with me. Never seen it. Spoiler alert. The maid Sorry. dies in the first five minutes. Shit. I know. You know uh, what? Oh, by the way, Damien's the devil. Yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> Dominoes. Yeah. Dominoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, th- those are my honorable mentions. And it, it was tougher to come up with five directors than it was for five movies because my favorite movies always shift or whatever but i was like ah oh, this is this is tough because i knew two right off the bat and then everyone like the last three it was just interchangeable with every yeah everybody i could find reasons for and i'm like wow well, all right but <clears throat> but that's how i went about it i wanted to make sure it was more focused on the directing not so much of me necessarily liking the movie obviously if the directors I picked, I like more than one of their movies. Yeah. It's not just, oh, this is my favorite movie. So so it's got to be. Them. So it's got to be that person kind of a thing. So, but yeah. How'd yep. you go about it? So I kind of went the same route, sort of. I, I had a couple criteria. They had to have made enough movies. So their filmography had to be had to have been solid, mm-hmm. like in terms of the number of movies there. They had to have like some sort of unique vision. And tailored to that is I have to like the second I know that they're coming out with a new project, I'm like, I got to see it. Okay. I have to see it. could be anything like, oh, this guy's coming out with a documentary on fermented cheese. And I'd be like, fuck yeah. When's it come out? That kind of director, you know? Yeah. And they've had to have directed what I consider a masterpiece, at mm-hmm. least one movie. Okay. One masterpiece. Where like I'm that. like that. That's a, that's a masterpiece right there. I have to have a masterpiece. They okay. have to. I like that. In my eyes, a masterpiece. Okay. I know I for sure know some of my choices aren't going to be a masterpiece in your eyes, Jay, but no, they I, are in mine. I there might be one or two that I don't think is. Oh, I don't think that oh, I don't know. Depends but, your definition, but, but to, so that was my <clears throat> the rubric of what I had to follow, mm-hmm. and I had <clears throat> had a bunch of like honorable mentions, I, like some directors that made great movies, but they just made some awful stinkers like mm-hmm. Zack snyder off the top mm-hmm. of my head 300 i think is incredible i think watchman is amazing i can't stand sucker punch i don't like his new one that just came out so super boring uh army of army of the dead, the dead. just i mean dawn of the dead's great uh i didn't like the legends of gahul that owl animated owl movie he made 
that was just super boring to me. Um, Robert Rodriguez, uh, off the bat, El Mariachi, Desperado, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, mm-hmm. Sin City, made some one of some of my favorite movies. But then he makes like Machete and Machete Kills and mm-hmm. the Spy Kids movies, and it's just yeah, like, you know, awful. And then there's um some that j- almost made the list, but a one person got got a top notch over it. Like the Coen Brothers almost made my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Coen Brothers, I mean, come on. Their style is so unique. Their their pacing is the second you watch a Coen Brothers movie, you know you're watching a Coen Brothers movie because the pacing is that's strictly Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, like an instrument. And it's and they write their own stuff too. Yes. So that's and that's I I didn't include them either because I'm like, well, do I like the writing or do I like the directing? Now, for Big Lebowski and Fargo, love the directing. Yeah. Lady Killers, it's their writing. If it's um what was it? Uh Burn After Reading, it's the writing. It's so it's not Well, I put in here the, the they made so the Coen brothers, their filmography is there, mm-hmm. but they've made some stinkers that I just can't I can't even watch anymore. Like I wrote in here Lady Killers. Yeah, you didn't like that? No. I think I, it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe that they wrote that. Uh Intolerable Cruelty. With Catherine Zena Jones and stupid movie. Hail Caesar. I'm like, it's the one that just came out a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Christine, it I looks saw that cool. In theaters it looks cool, but I'm like, is it a comedy? What yeah. is it trying to do here? Mm-hmm. I don't what are you trying to do? Um, and oh brother, where art thou? I do not understand to the life of me why that movie gets so much praise. But Dapper Dan man. I just it drives me insane. Even the music's okay. It won like 13 Grammys and it's like the best country music ever. I don't understand why that movie gets so much praise. It's so super boring to me. But but it's a it's like the Odyssey. It, oh my it's the god! The Odyssey on the so that's if you don't like it, you're not intelligent. So so funny story. People are like, you you do realize like, oh brother, where art thou? Is is based on the Odyssey? I'm like I, yeah, I think all- this movie came out when I was a freshman. I just read the Odyssey and I'm like, I don't see the parallels in the Odyssey yeah. and Oh brother, where art thou? The only parallels I saw was with John Goodman's character, the Cyclops. Okay, the patch yeah. over his eye. Okay. And I'm like, all right. But at the same time, it's like, oh, did you know it's based off? Like, eh, most stories are based off of seven or whatever, six different stories, like the Aristotle story, like Hero Journey or whatever. It's, yeah, they're all, it's everything's the same fucking story. Right. So, so they had a a bunch of clunkers in there that I don't enjoy watching. mm -hmm. But like, you know, Blood Simple, their debut is so well, well paced. It's such a good thriller. I know you, you you're big into suspense. I don't know if you've ever seen Blood Simple. I haven't. It was good. It's so good. Maybe that's the one that I watched that you say is. Uh, yes. Watch Blood right. Simple. Earmark that. Je- okay, so I'm watching. Is it worth buying? Because I yes. know it's on Criterion. Yes. And I do like. Criterion. Absolutely, it's worth buying. So I'll watch Open Range. You watch Blood Simple, and we'll we'll tell each other what we think. You will fucking Jay. Just made your night, man. You're gonna love that movie. Um. But yeah, uh, Blood Simple, Raisin Arizona is... Ugh. So they made two comedies that I think are just so funny. Raisin Arizona and The Big Lebowski are just super funny. Mm-hmm. So good. Completely Coen Brothers, by the way. No Country for Old Men and Fargo or, I mean, come on. Yeah. Maybe two of the best m- top 100 movies made in the past. 
I, I, I like Fargo and Big Lebowski, and I like the fact that they made them very close to each other because they are two totally like they had one movie to where they threw all the colors, everything in there with the Big Lebowski, and then you have Fargo, which is <laughs> yeah. so white, gray, yeah. and black. That's right. And it's, it's North Dakota, baby. Yep. <laughs> and to where you have like the most vibrant images on screen, and then you have the most dull. Yeah. And, but I like how they did that to themselves. Yeah. So they're they're like their style is is hit or miss. Mm-hmm. More, it's more hit than miss. But their, their style is so quirky. Like their the, the way they direct their actors, their actors and their mm-hmm. dialogue. It's so very yeah, the performances that they very get. specific. Yep. Yeah. So they almost made my list. Uh, so and some. Like they just haven't made enough yet, but I like them a lot. Like Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina mm-hmm. and Annihilation, he's coming out with a new movie called Men. It's I don't know when it's gonna be released. It's gonna be this year. I can't wait to see that movie. But he hasn't made enough yet. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, I, I I love Get Out. Us was okay, but his new one coming out called Nope. Mm-hmm. Like I'm instantly want to see it. Second, I want to go see it. Again, hasn't made enough movies. James Wan. Mm-hmm. I love James Wan. Anything he comes out did with. Did he do The Conjuring? Yes. I like The Conjuring. Yes. He did the original Saw. He did Insidious is another great one. Yeah, Saw was good too. Yeah. I remember, yeah. He, Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon is a great like action thriller. Uh, Dead Silence is underrated, I think. Uh, he did the, the new Aquaman. He did Furious 7. So he's done, you know, middling popcorn entertainment. But mm. the new one he did, Malignant, which is batshit crazy. I don't know if you've seen it Mm-mm. it's crazy it's, but it's so james wan that it 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 go it, it it clears the hurdle of yeah it's absurd but it's good absurd because it's james wan and it's that's why you like it mm-hmm. but again he hasn't made enough yet and martin mcdonough i own so i had the rules here where you had to make a certain number of movies but i love martin mcdonough's d- directing and style Mm-hmm. Like in Bruges, have you ever seen in Bruges with Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleason? And uh, uh, I think uh, I tried to watch it one time, but I, I, don't, I don't think I finished it. Oh my for god! Reason. If I uh, if I grew up on a farm and was retarded, Bruges might impress me, but I didn't, and I'm not, so it doesn't. I mean, it's <laughs> it's some of the greatest lines. It's so funny. Truth is, Harry, you're a cunt. You've always been a cunt. You're always gonna be a cunt. <laughs> Maybe have some more cunt kids. Like it it's so I have seen it. <laughs> I have seen it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fun. Cause Does the th- climax happen like in the church or yes. near- okay, yep, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Okay. Yep. So his style is so unique that where it goes from like uh crazy uh like tragic tragedy to like comedy. Mm-hmm. Tragedy to comedy, so like on a dime. Like another he made Seven Psychopaths and then he made Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. Same I've thing. seen Seven Psychopaths. That I really liked. Yeah. Uh, three Billboards I thought was really good too. Yes. But he just didn't make enough he doesn't have a big enough filmography, so I couldn't do it. But I wanted to so bad because I love his like the second he comes out with another movie, I'm gonna go see it. He's okay. so good. Uh anyway. Big enough filmography. I had to like, I had to like a vast majority of the films that they they came out with, and they had to create one ma- that I deem as a masterpiece. All right, all right. good yes. that you're gonna say that masterpiece because I I picked uh, movies or a movie from each one that I think represents what they do. Okay, like the one like if you're gonna watch one from them, this is what you should this watch. Is what you should watch. Okay. Um. So that kind of tailors into this. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, do you want to go first? Or you want you me go to go first? I want okay. you to go first. All right. Are we back? We are back. Nice. Yeah, Jace, what you got there? So, so no particular order, right? Just- yeah, no particular order. Although I'm going to <clears throat> go from roughly my least, like there's two, like I said earlier, that are I knew we we're going to be on there. I'll save those for the last. Okay. Um, so I'll just kind of, kind of build up to it because I definitely with those two I were a lot more descriptive as far as the reasonings. Uh, the other ones are more of like just general touch points. But, okay, sure. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Robert Rodriguez because he is actually number five. <laughs> now, See? Yeah. He almost made my list. So, um, now, the reason why I have... It, this is very subjective as far as why he's on my top five is because I always wanted to make movies. or And then with my job right now, I make videos from right. time to time. I went to, to college for it. Um, I picked him because he's my favorite. I, I put like a little personality or like a little trait. He's my favorite underdog, low budget director. Um, All right. And I, I like him because he can make the most with the least. Um, if most people know who Robert Rodriguez is, um, if you don't quick rundown, he, he, he uh, went to Sundance. He uh, made, El Mariachi for $7,000 uh, by being a part of a medical trial. That's how he funded his movie. And then him and his buddy uh, shot it um, over the summer. And their goal was to sell it to the Spanish video market in Los Angeles. And because he was looking at Spanish uh, directed video movies, and he's like, I can make a better movie than that. And this guy is in college at the time, goes, makes a movie, and it blows up, gets to go into Sundance. He more or less ends up remaking it later yeah. on as Desperado. Right. Um, yeah, it's the same movie. Yeah. For the most part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but. <clears throat> By like, the way, I like El Mariachi more. I do. I like the creativeness. Yep. In there. Um, I think Desperado is just a polished version. There's some things in there that I think just work a little bit better in El Mariachi. Like mm-hmm. it feels more real. It does. Um, and. But yeah, I mean, I think he's better when he has doesn't have a lot to work with um, because he's very creative. And that's why I like him is because if I was to give one person like a camcorder and make a very entertaining movie, he would be the first person I would give it to. Okay. Um, And like I said, I love his creativeness, his effects and action. Um, So like. Once upon a time in Mexico, when he made that, like he j- just his creative ways of going, solving problems, I really liked. And that's actually inspired me as far as how as if I come across something in a video that I'm trying to make, I think about it in a way um, to where, OK, well, I don't have this option. What could I do? I could do it like this. And he's kind of made me think of things like that. Huh. Um, so in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, there was a scene of. Um, Antonio Banderas shooting people in a church and because they went over the border they couldn't bring live live guns with them with blanks or anything because of whatever licensing they had they had rubber guns and so it was just Antonio Banderas waving his arm up in the air with a rubber shotgun and then he adds them in digitally which everyone does that now but not everyone that wasn't common back then it was still you were using blanks you were using 
uh, practical effects to get those flashbangs things. Right. It wasn't common practice at that time yet. Um, but uh, plus the other thing is he wrote a book, Rebel Without a Crew, which if anybody is uh, an aspiring filmmaker, I think that's book number one. It's his journal diary as far as making El Mariachi. Okay. Have you ever read it? No, never even heard of it. It's awesome. I think I have it upstairs. Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah. And it has the full script that he wrote while he was in the medical testing thing. Cause he was in there, I think for three months or a month. What was he, what was he getting tested for? Um, I don't know. They took like some skin, uh, from behind his arm. So he has two football shaped scars on the back of his arm. Um, but it was a medical trial for something. Huh. And, um, I think he says it in his book, but, um, but he, he journals out, he's like writing the movie. While he's in the medical testing thing and he, they're going to pay him. Wow. That's crazy. Whatever amount of money. And, um, but it talks about that. And plus his bonus features to all of his movies. He has like 10 minute film school, 10 minute cooking school. He's very open and very, um, generous as far as his knowledge and sharing it with people, because this was before YouTube was huge. If you like, you either had to go to film school, you had to figure it out on your own or, you could watch Robert Rodriguez bonus foot right. footage on. And that was one of the things every time he came out with a new movie and it was released on uh DVD or whatever, I, he would uh, put, like, Oh, what, what is he going to talk? Because he'd say editing, he'd talk about editing and he, and he would bring in, he would show examples from his movie, talk about how he went, how, what the problem was, how he uh, solved the problem. Right. So he's very helpful and in instructing and teaching others indirectly. Um, how to solve things, how to think about things when you're making your movie and stuff like that. And, um, he, he, he has a loner vibe to him. Um, I know some of, uh, was a book of Boba Fett or something. He directed a couple episodes and a lot of people hated that. And I mean, Oh, hated that he directed something. From well, Disney? because it had like the power Rangers on motorcycles or some something or whatever, but oh. it was like, it was, they just didn't like the episode. It was just weird, which I don't know if that was his choice, but, um, I mean, some of the stinkers that he's had, like Sin, like Sin City, look cool. I wasn't a fan of it. Um, I liked his, I mean, I like what he represents um, more than anything. And I think he's extremely creative. And I think he's better when he doesn't have a lot. Once he started getting money and he had all the things at his fingertips, um, I think it, eh, it, so it kind of probably like, it. do you like the Machete movies? Like Machete Kill? Because they're the production Never budgets. Saw are, oh, oh. Um, I liked... Uh, my favorite, uh, Planet Terror. It's probably my favorite movie that he did, um, because it's it's over the top. It's a little funny. It's got a sense yeah. of humor in it. It, um, he was very creative in making it. Like he, I mean, he's, and it was he did a good job. I think it, it was the better movie, uh, in the Grindhouse. Uh, so it's one of the few times I think he surpassed Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> which, uh, I, my dream team would be Robert Rodriguez directing and Quentin Tarantino writing. Okay. Um, happening, happening from dust till dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. It is a great movie. And, um, because I think the reason why I would like that prospective team to where if Tarantino's like, okay, I'm done making movies, but I'm going to write movies for now on. If him and Robert, like if Robert Rodriguez just direct, because I like long run time, but I think Tarantino, lingers on things way too long but robert rodriguez is good about keeping pace keeping things moving he's like no let's not lose the audience let's 
let's make it energetic. Let's let's right. keep things moving. And I think those two together would be fantastic if they did more movies. That's together. an interesting point. Yeah. So, um, but but yeah, I like I like what he represented and how he um, the creative ways he went about it. Because I mean, now anyone can take a cell phone and make a, make movie. a movie. Tangerine yep. was shot on a iPhone. iPhone. Yep. And so the the amount of tools that exist now definitely did not exist 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, it's Let just alone 30 years ago. Yeah. And, yep. uh, it's great, but yeah, rebel without a crew. I recommend getting that. It talks about him all the way through editing and stuff like that. Cause he edits most of his, all of his, he movies, does everything. Right? He does a score. He does. I wow. mean, he's, he, um, and that's in some of his, uh, 10 minute film schools. He, he shows off his studio at his house in Austin and he's like, oh, yeah, so I come over here, I strum on the guitar, and now it's in Pro Tools, and then I can blah, blah. And then he's just modulating and working as he's talking to you on camera. And, I mean, very creative guy. Um, and I, his kid movies and stuff, he always kind of did that. Um, he did more adult stuff, and then he would do a kid movie and flip-flop back and yep. forth. Some of his short films were actually family films hmm. that, that he did in film school. Um, there is one, I think, called Bedhead or whatever that he did that I liked a lot. Bedhead. Yeah. It was like a five minute. It, he used the siblings for, um, for the actors and okay. they were kids. So he just made family films. Um, so this guy obviously loves the process yeah, of filmmaking. Like, it, yeah, he, de- he loves the, he loves the art of it. Like just right. the solving of the problem, which I, I, I see myself similar, like similar aspects. That's, I'm not a fan of shooting things. I hate shooting things. I like editing. But I will I know how to shoot something and I know how I need to shoot it so I can edit it how I want to later. So it's um, that I feel like I wouldn't have gotten to that point without reading what he wrote and learning what he had on his DVDs and stuff like that. So I feel okay. just solving things creatively. I think that that's the fun part of it. And I think he enjoys that. Obviously. um, And uh, and I enjoy that as well. So that's why he's my number five. Nice. Yeah. But Planet not- Terror, if you're going to watch one, I'd say Planet Terror. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I, think, I, I think Death Proof is, is the more superior. Of no the one thinks that. No one. <laughs> that car no chase is think- amazing. <sighs> but you got to sit and wait for four. Girls. <laughs> here's, here's with Death Proof. You got to sit and wait for four girls to talk. Yep. Um. Jay, you just got to love that sweet, the, sweet dialogue, Jay. Yeah, sitting at a table, talking. <laughs> That's right. And then they get in a car, die. And right. what happens? You meet four new girls, and you got to sit and listen to them talk. <laughs> before Wait you a second. You don't, are you saying you don't like to listen to women talk, Jay? That's what I'm getting out of this. If there was a movie God, there's that There's so I much toxic masculinity coming off this man. God, it's, mean, like, it's like sitting next to Burt Reynolds or something. Would it be better if it was four dudes sitting around talking? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right Uh, (laughs) top five directors oh jesus all right yeah no particular order here i'm just gonna go down the list sam raimi he was one that i was i think that he is the most unique director from a visual perspective ever Mm -hmm. i'd say ever yeah everything that he's done i just enjoy I, they're not necessarily hits, but he went through like a weird, like, so he started, 
if you don't know who Sam Raimi is, he did, you know, Evil Dead, the Evil Deads, uh, the trilogy. Um, Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. But this little, this little thing's called Spider-Man. You know, that whole trilogy, the original one with Tobey Maguire, you know, the good ones. Um, and then he had that little period after he made Army of Darkness where he, he did like uh, The Quick and the Dead. Mm-hmm. And then he did uh, The Gift, yep. A Simple Plan. And Dark he, Man. Dark Dark Man's so underrated. I Dark love Man is Dark a Man. very that that is a Sam Raimi movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> he just goes balls to the wall in that movie. And then for Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, it's like a little baseball movie. Yeah. So his his range is obviously he can do all these different genres, but man, where he shines is just the wacky nuttiness that I love from his early days. I think Evil Dead Two is the the masterpiece. Like Evil Dead Two is a masterpiece to me. I've never. When I watched that movie, I, I, w- I never been so scared and laughed as ho- ever. Mm-hmm. Like that movie is simultaneously scary and then it's super funny. It's so weird watching it now, even now. No movies are like that, where it's there's tension in, in in scary parts and then it's combined with. Cross your fingers that the new Doctor Strange will be like that. I'll get to that, Jay. I'll get to that. So, uh, Evil Dead is. It has its wacky parts to it, but it's not funny, funny. But he has all these crazy shots where it's uniquely Sam Raimi, where mm-hmm. just crazy zooms. They're coming in and out. Everything's off frame all the time. The edits are just quick and quick and fast. And then he adds in this comedic element for Evil Dead Two, and it's uh, the balance of horror and comedy is just unsurpassed, in my opinion. That's the quintessential comedy horror that's ever been made, and it will never be topped. And then he just goes full comedy in Army of Darkness to, to round out the trilogy. So it's like horror, comedy, horror, comedy. That's what he was thinking, I think, when he was going, you know, bringing it up. But And then Darkman. I, I think the story goes where he wanted uh, to make The Shadow. Do you remember The Shadow with Alec Baldwin? That's a pretty good movie, too. Yeah, I it love, is. I like, I like it, Shadow. too. And this is, you know, the time in Hollywood where they weren't really sure what to do with comic book movies yeah. and how to make them. After Superman and... And Batman, you had Dick Tracy and exactly all that. They had, uh, yeah, the Shadow, the yeah. fan, uh, the, fan- the, the Phantom, Phantom with Billy Zane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but Dark Man, so he couldn't get the rights to the Shadow, so he just creates creates a comic book character mm-hmm. out of thin air, and it's not based on a comic or anything. It's just an original screenplay, and he makes it uniquely Sam Raimi. That movie is fucking crazy, but it's so entertaining and so good. I watched it uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, some of the shots in it are just his his montages are just weird. There, there's shots of him like on like a marionette, and then like a, a spinning head, and then like a cat and a dog, and he just mashes them all together as he's as he's like turning into Darkman and getting all mad, and like you go inside his head, and it's just it's like what the fuck is this guy doing? And the whole movie is like that, by the way. Um, so yeah, Dark Man, and then uh, the, the Spider Mans are. Uh, I they're better than the the Spider. I like them more than the Spider Mans that just came out with Tom Holland, mm-hmm. uh, because they're not as cookie cutter as I think. Uh, I mean, Mar- Marvel now it's very you know it's factory filmmaking. There's mm-hmm. beats and there's not really a unique vision. Spider Man has a unique vision, and I think Spider Man Two is. Right behind the Dark Knight is my favorite superhero movie ever made. Um, 
drag me to hell when he made his return for into, into horror. Do you, I mean, do you like Evil Dead Two more so than Drag Me to Hell? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I love Drag Me to Hell because at that time, a horror was getting kind of stale. Mm-hmm. And Drag Me to Hell, I'm like, thank God Sam Raimi's doing another horror movie. I just want him to do horror because he's just he's makes movie he paces them appropriately and he makes them scary and funny and funny <laughs> there's a little funny in there and no one does that better than him he's so good at it and uh then he just stopped he's he, he made he made he made his way back into horror with dragon to hell and then he does oz the great and powerful and it's like ah shit you know it wasn't very good and then he just stops the and then now he's I mean, the director, Scott Derrickson, who did the original Doctor Strange, got kicked out of d- directing uh, the new Doctor Strange that's coming out because of creative differences. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if they offered Sam Raimi just a boatload of cash, and they were like, all right, will you do this for us? Or if Sam Raimi is intrigued and wanted to bring his own unique vision into it, if he does, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be awesome. Yeah, I... I hope they let him bring in his sensibilities to yes. it. Yes. Because, I mean, Marvel movies are typically more funny than... They have a lot of humor in them. And to where they said at the beginning that Doctor Strange was supposed... The second one was supposed to be more of a horror film. Even before Sam Raimi was brought on. Yeah. So I think... They did. They That is a... I hope they let... Him, obviously he's going to be handcuffed a little bit they're not going to let him do whatever but i'm hoping that the weirdness of it and they can bring his weirdness yeah they let him do that in that movie to where it's funny but can also be scary, scary. at points yeah because well they did it with james gunn guardians of the galaxy is, is legitimately a james gunn movie without the crassness rated r version yeah. that he he's prone to do yep. with movies like slither and a dawn of the dead and all that stuff but uh super yeah i mean so sam raimi he has that again when you when you see a sam raimi movie it's it's uniquely sam raimi kind of like tim burton or barry sonnenfeld but the reason i don't really gravitate towards tim burton or or like barry sonnenfeld is like they do like goth for just goth's sake Mm -hmm. just to make it look weird but it doesn't really service the story Mm -hmm. (laughs) sam's crazy and i wrote here wacky unique style never boring borderline crazy yeah he he was also I didn't mention my honorable mentions, but he was I was flip flopping between Robert Rodriguez and Sam Raimi. Okay. Uh same reasoning. They're creative filmmaking. Yeah. So they uh he's used uh his use of stop motion, which was more common back in the eighties, uh, for the melting effects and yeah. stuff like that in Evil Dead. And I liked his creativeness because and this is mainly from the first Evil Dead. Um, and this, I mean, other directors, a lot of directors are creative, especially when they're starting out in their first film. But uh, the opening shot of Evil Dead, when the camera's going over the lake. Yep. And that was just done. He was sitting in a boat holding the camera. And I think Bruce Campbell was pushing him or his brother was pushing him yep. in a boat. That's how they got the shot. There's one of my favorite shots was uh, the tree rape scene. No, it was um, <laughs> it was there's a shot where the camera is going through. I think it's the spirit, but it goes through. The camera breaks the window. Yeah. And very simple setup. All it was is they had the camera on a two by four or four by four by four. They had it zoomed in just enough to where the wood was cropped out and they just, they just broke the window. I mean, it's that kind of creative 
filmmaker because I think they went to the University of Michigan. Yeah. Um, yep. And they shot that film while they were in college. Um, the first Evil Dead. And so I had them flipped. But yeah, Sam Raimi is, oh. is great. He, yeah. Anytime he comes out with something, like I, I was super excited when I heard that he was going to replace Scott Derrickson and mm-hmm. do an MC movie. So uh, I, I don't want to get my hopes up too high because I do think they're going to handcuff him a little bit and it's not going to be scary. It'll just be a little weird, but yeah, I don't know. And, and I like him because he can, he can do the feels. Yeah. The second Spider-Man movie, when one of my favorite moments in movies is when Mary Jane sees Peter uh, without his mask on for the first time yeah. or whatever. And that whole shot and she's like glowing in orange and everything else. And I, that, that whole movie, just that, how he handled that relationship across all three of those movies. I really enjoyed very it. Good. Did a very good job um, because I believed it. I did too. I believe like I felt the emotion. And I felt the chemistry between them. And maybe that's probably why I'm not a fan of the, I, I like the new Spider-Man movies, but that, that relationship, that chemistry, I don't think it exists between Tom Holland and Zendaya. And I think that probably because that's more Zendaya's character of MJ in that movie to where she she's just sarcastic. all the, Like she doesn't feel like a real person. Yes. She feels like someone that they want the, oh man. He was located. Hey, hey there yeah. you go. Feel good, feel good story of the night. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a character that this is this is how uh, teenagers should act. Yeah, she's she's cool. She, she's she sarcastic care. and cocky. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah, that's all I get is that she doesn't care about anything. anything. That's right. And and that relationship with Mary Jane and Peter took two at, at the very end of the movie of Spider-Man 2. She's like, go get him, Tiger. Yeah. Like to get to that moment, yeah. it took two movies. Mm-hmm. To, they developed the relationship for two movies, four hours after the after the first when uh, she approaches Toby at the uh, um, at the funeral yeah. at, the, at the graveyard and and she confesses her love and it's like, oh good, it'll end on a happy note and he and turns it turns her down and I'm like, oh no, exactly. And it sets it up for the relationship for the next movie. <sighs> yes, movies don't do that anymore. No. What, no. Act like real people. No. <laughs> but no sam raimi's great um yeah he, love him unique he, he, yeah. he's crazy nice nice style no there's no one like so him either and no one i don't think anyone tries to mimic him either which is good because they would just yeah. suck they would just suck yeah his style is not really re- replicable not really nope. he's just out of his mind mm-hmm. i like good. it okay what's your next one uh next one i would say hmm I was going back and forth between this person and Christopher Nolan, and I picked James Cameron over Christopher Nolan because James Cameron can do something that Christopher Nolan can't, which I think is have emotion in his films. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, you don't think Christopher Nolan has emotion in his films? I, it doesn't hit for me. Wow. it, It, I cried you at fucking statue. The end of <laughs> I cried at the end of Terminator 2 and I cried at the I didn't cry but I was tearing up at the end of Titanic. And there was uh, enough room on that door. There was. There was so that, much room, that, Jay. That bitch. That f- what the You fuck, know what would Jay? make Titanic better? What? All dudes. 
instead of Kate Winslet uh, on the couch being drawn. That's right. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Oh, Part of the man. ocean. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. Here I come. Um the uh but no, so uh, I have him as my favorite spectacle um action director. So it was James Cameron? Yeah. So it was between him, it was Christopher Nolan, and honestly, Michael Bay was in there. I think his I I'm not a fan of his Transformer movies. The first one was fine. Um then he yep. just kept making them. And I was like, dude, do something else. He doesn't stop. And I <sighs> And people give him flack for like how his movies get dated or are they racist or what? I, I don't know. All I know is Bad Boys 2, that movie, that was fucking awesome. I love that movie. Like just the way he directs action, that bridge chase scene with the boat and everything else. Um, he directs action very well. Yeah. He does. And I, I, I think he's one of the best action directors. His um, characters are... So shallow. And again, why I didn't pick him because <laughs> yeah. James Cameron can direct yes. actors to be real characters. Yes, real people. Yeah. So and that's why I picked James Cameron. So he's my favorite spectacle. Um, Christopher Nolan, Michael Bay, great at action, uh, great at spectacle. Um he is. James Cameron, I like it better. He doesn't have the as many films as these guys do, but you know, everything he makes is going to be special. I'm not a fan of Avatar. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to another Avatar movie coming out. I'm looking forward to another James Cameron movie. Oh, there's going to be five coming out, Jay. Yeah, Avatar so, five. That's all ho- he's doing until he's dead. I hope they don't turn into the Transformer <laughs> movies, but I think they're going to be special regardless. I think there's something that he hasn't told anybody. There's probably some. I'm wondering what the thing is going to be. I am too. Um, and maybe it's just the world. That he's because he's been working on the script for a while. And yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know if it's I don't know if he's going to bring the 3D thing back. Um, Well, his last two movies have been events. Like you have to go to the movie theater and see his movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, who didn't see Titanic? And I think I saw it twice. Yeah. I mean, it was epic. Mm -hmm. And then Avatar is the best 3D experience I've ever had. It's yeah, it's Dances with Wolves in Space. Yeah. But visually. Yeah. My, Holy shit. I had, it's I had the, crazy. Uh, I'm not a fan of heights. I had the palm sweats. Yeah. And I had that uneasiness in my, like yes. that, that tingle in your butt. Yeah. When you're like, oh. Vertigo. Oh, you got a yeah. little vertigo yeah. going on. Yeah. And um, so very, I mean, very well done. I mean, he make, and I don't think he's had a bad movie. I no. put in parentheses, Piranha 2. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Give him a break. Yeah. Um, he's trying to pay the bills. The, uh, but he hasn't made a bad movie. No, I like the abyss. Mm-hmm. That's a good, like, uh, I like movies where you discover like a, you know, it's like a mystery, but you're learning along with the characters. Mm-hmm. What's like, he's great at that. Yeah. And abyss is, is good at that. Yeah. And his movies do not age. No, they're all, I mean, more or less timeless. Um, now I haven't seen avatar in a while. I don't know how the effects hold up because that, I mean, that was more or less a, cartoon um the but i mean i i don't i look thinking back on the acting and the actions action scenes the way he paces action um it, it doesn't feel dated it doesn't i mean aliens re- still really strong and that movie is over 30 years old 
And then you have Terminator 2, which is one of the best action movies. Might be the best action movie ever made. Yeah. Could be. And it that was made in 91. I know. And a movie, I, I the only conversation I've heard people say that of a movie that has surpassed it is the Raid movies. Oh. Um, in terms of just action pacing and... Just as far as being a good action movie. Okay. Uh, th- th- some people have said like the Raid 2 is a better action movie than... That first one? Uh, well, the first one, but also then Terminator Two. Terminator Two, which I disagree because I think there's 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 kung fu fighting action, and then there's action. Yes, just um, like spectacle action, and I think uh, yeah, there's fight scenes in movies that I enjoy and I think are cool. I mean, Terminator doesn't have fight scenes; they have machines hitting each other back and forth but um as far as action movie i think it's probably yeah one of the best action movies ever made um i agree i don't see true lies is amazing yeah his that's probably his most popcorny like mediocre movie i think yeah but it's fun yeah it's still still a good movie it's (laughs) (laughs) it's a bill paxton uh yeah it's bill paxton yeah yeah uh what was the line he's like Oh, and a pair of titties make you want to jump up and beg for buttermilk. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't kill me. I got a tiny dick. It's pathetic. Thanks. <laughs> James Cameron, I think, loved him dearly. He gave him all the best lines. He did. And yeah. the, what was it? Uh, aliens. I said we go up to, to orbit and nuke him. Oh, fucking A, man. <laughs> We're history. Game over, Game man. Game over, man. <laughs> um but yeah so he's my my spectacle action uh director because yeah it's a solid pick yeah i mean he he was on the edge i almost put him in there i just didn't think he made enough movies mm -hmm. that was it yeah but he's there nope i'll go see avatar too bet your ass yeah i mean we're we're gonna go see everyone's gonna see that fucking movie i mean it's gonna be incredibly and i'm box office i'm draw it's gonna make a shit ton of movie or shit ton of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to see what, like, what blows me away by it. You're right. It, everything he does lately is it's like an event. It's a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You want to see what's gonna happen. I, I don't know what's gonna be either. What's what could it be? What like he if it, found another way to film underwater? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Who knows? That uh-huh. or he just comes out and says, "Okay, yep." It's being released. However, it's being released in 10 theaters that I've retrofitted with all this stuff. And <laughs> exactly. it's like some weird 4D thing. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to do because he said he's like, oh, I've been working on the waiting on the technology to get there. Since. Yeah. Waiting on the technology he, and doing the script because he uh, he developed the 3D technology for Avatar. He said that he wasn't going to even attempt to do that until he saw uh, the two towers. And Gollum. Mm. And then he knew, okay, it's it's there now. It's possible. The the foundation is there. I can start working on Avatar now. Yeah. Yeah. So James Cameron. I like it. He wants me Mellis too, Jay. It's a good pick. Uh Quinn Tarantino. Okay. I had to put him on there. Yeah. He hasn't put out a movie that I disliked yet. I love all of his movies. For the for the because you say it's it's a the reason why you don't like his is because it's just people talking. 
it's not i mean because I, I i like his movies i like pulp fiction i like reservoir dogs i like um i like uh kill bill um yeah the, those uh once upon time in hollywood um django unchained was entertaining um but i part i i bring up the talking because i feel like it's an example of um his go-to which is fine um i think it's more of i don't think he knows how to trim what is needed and what is not needed. okay so it's so a, i think some of it editing thing yeah and um because i think he's a great writer um true romance fantastic especially in the hands of tony scott you have yourself a really solid movie right and then you have from dust till dawn um which uh director i mean so tarantino can write all he wants i think there just needs to be someone there to be like okay we don't need this we don't need that um and that's mainly because i remember uh looking at his deleted scene commentary of pulp fiction and he was very uh yeah i had more stuff here but i trimmed it out because I, we wanted to get to the boxing match we wanted to get to um the or no it was after um bruce willis's character butch jumped out and was taken in the cab and He's like, oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, we had more dialogue here, but nope, nope. We wanted to get to Mia, Mia's date, and so I had to cut some dialogue and do. I feel like he doesn't do that anymore. Okay. I think it's. I feel he's just slowly turned into. He can do whatever he wants now. So he's like, oh, I'm just gonna let it, which is fine. I think sometimes it works, and sometimes I enjoy it. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, take as much time as you want. And then there's other movies that I'm just not a fan of to where, right. uh, like The Hateful Eight, and I'm just like, oh. I love the hateful eight. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. It's funny that you think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably your favorite Tarantino movie. I think it's the Carmen. No, no. Uh my favorite Tarantino oh, it's movie is Kill, Kill Bill. All right. So it's it's your like your second favorite one. Mm, yeah, I mean I'd put it <sighs> Pulp Fiction's good. Pulp Fiction, I feel like, has the timing and the humor. Uh I think that's his Pulp Fiction is his funniest movie. Um and I tend to gravitate more towards comedies. Um, but I've seen it so many damn times. Yeah. That- yeah. Well, the reason I, I say that is because I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his least talky movie to date. It's them driving around LA yeah. for 20 straight minutes and listening Carmen to. Yeah. So I, I enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a, it's, it's well made, but it's my least favorite Tarantino movie by far. Mm-hmm. I, I, his strength is dialogue. I don't mm-hmm. want a Tarantino movie where we go 20 minutes of driving around in a car and listen to seven or sixties radio. Mm-hmm. And you're just, uh, you want to hear the character. Speaking. Yes. I want, that's your forte. And that's why I love him. So there's no movie director and he's writer slash director, but it's not just his, the screenwriting, the way he directs the scene itself mm-hmm. is strictly Tarantino. And, and I like that. I like the shots that he uses. Um, I mean, he, he brought up the, the, the trunk shot, like his, yeah. his most famous shot was the view from the trunk. Um, which is, I think is in all of his I mean, movies, but nonlinear storytelling. That's mm-hmm. because of Tarantino. Every, everybody after Pulp Fiction tried to copy with the nonlinear storytelling. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. And, I wish he comes out with a movie where he it's just linear storytelling. 
because every movie has like an element. I think Once Upon a Time Hollywood maybe is the only one I can lately where it's pretty much linear throughout the movie. I want to say Django Unchained was pretty linear. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, one. it had some flashbacks showing. Um, no, you're I right. Jamie, that was it was pretty linear. It was pretty linear. Um, okay, and. I don't remember Inglorious Bastards that well. It, there, well, Did they would do like chapter. They would, yeah, they would flip uh, yeah, here yeah. and there. It would add context, but um, just no one directs and and writes dialogue like Tarantino. It, like you said, that's the strength to me. Mm-hmm. Where I don't mind listening to five guys around a table talking about whatever the like. Reservoir Dogs has the you know like a virgin discussion for ten mm-hmm. minutes and tipping waitresses. Mm-hmm. Or they're in the warehouse and they're just talking about, you know, the, the, the bank heist that just went wrong. And it's literally four guys in a warehouse talking and the way mm-hmm. they, <clears throat> he goes in and out of the bathroom and then back. And then Mr. White's perspective, like he, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's strictly Tarantino. Every time he comes out with something, can't, we talked about Star Trek a couple of episodes ago. I know exactly what it'd be like. It'd be Captain Kirk and Spock on the, on the deck of the Enterprise. Talking about a situation <laughs> that we will never see. The, you know what? I'm there. I am there with fucking roses, baby. <laughs> Loving every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think he's he, he's definitely, I think, one of the mo- most important filmmakers in the yeah. past thirty years. Um, I'm I'm not saying that at all. The um, I I enjoyed Jackie Brown. I mean, I enjoy enjoy his movies. I think he he needs to be trimmed a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but, Kill, yeah. but Kill Bill, his the different styles that he incorporated mm-hmm. in with directing, not just dialogue. Like the the kung fu is amazing. That sequence in the first volume where it's just animation. Yep. I mean, it's great. It, it's it flows naturally. Uh, I I liked him better when I was younger because I was under the impression he was trying to do different things every single time. So, um, meaning. He did Pulp Fiction. That was his gangster movie. And then he did Jackie Brown, which was kind of like his cop uh, movie. And then he did his Kill Bill, which was his Kung Fu movie. And then he did uh, his war movie, Inglorious Bastard. So I was thought he was he was just doing his different genres. Then he did his um, his his Western of Django. His well, his Southern is what. Shut up. What did he call it? He, he called it a southern. He's like, well, it's a southern. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. You, what does that even mean? It means it takes place in the south, not the west. So, and then he made his western with the hateful eight or whatever. So he he is uh, kind of hopping. And then he made his period piece kind of or Hollywood to Hollywood or whatever, which yep. I don't even know what kind of genre I'd put that in. Um, but that's a historical drama, Jay. Yeah, that's what happened. So uh, <laughs> historical fiction. Yes. Um. So I, I I liked it younger when I thought he was trying to do different genres, two different styles to where, I mean, it is very similar. I have a director on here that does a lot of very similar things too. So I, I get it and I do enjoy his dialogue. I think some of it goes on for too long. Uh, Death Proof is the one I feel like it, great car chase. Um but the one I feel like it does go on for way too long. I feel like they should have just kept with one group of girls and followed them the whole movie. That's just my own personal, right. personal preference, but, um, or opinion. I but. love that sweet, sweet dialogue, Jay. I love it. 
It's so it, good. And I think it works. I thought he was going to, I, I think the, his best thing that he did dialogue wise was an inglorious bastards opening scene, opening scene. And then the cafe scene cafe scene, I think was slightly better. Um, I felt more tension in that than I did in the opening scene. Um, because I thought he was going to find her out like in that, and that I thought he was just toying with her or something. But I remember seeing that. I was like, wow, he made tension just out of two people talking back and forth. I was like, that's it. That he, he reached the peak. And I remember thinking that seeing that in the theater. And I was like, maybe that's what he was working towards. Yeah, obviously not. I mean, he, he just likes his dialogue <clears throat> and he does. That, that's his style. Um, and I, I like his choice of shots. I like his um, narrative, how he plays with his storytelling. Um, I like him better as a writer, though. As a, Not as a director? I, I still enjoy his directing, but I, I think he's a stronger writer than he's a, a director. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's inarguable. But the way, in Glor- Glorious Bastards, the way he directs the and rises the tension, and especially in that opening scene, mm-hmm. I think is masterful. Mm-hmm. And then the scene in the bar where they're trying to meet up uh, with, uh, oh God, what's her name? Diner Kruger's character. They're trying to rendezvous to kind of plan out what's going to happen next. That whole scene, the pace, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the people playing the drinking game behind them, uh, the guy playing the piano who ends up joining them in the card game. Like that whole thing is paced out and it always ends. It starts slowly. It builds and then it's violence like bam. That's the way violence is. It's mm-hmm. it's sudden and it's it's abrupt. And he does that perfectly, mm-hmm. I think. Especially in Inglorious Bastards. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he does he he handles violence very, very well. Yeah. Um like it's sudden, violence. it's horrifying, which is what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All right, well yeah, it's Quentin Tarantino. Nice. That's number two. Okay. My my third one, I will talk about Edgar Wright. Okay. So, and he is, I put down, uh, he's probably my favorite writer director. Okay. Um, one of my favorite writer directors, but I picked him again because of his comedies, but, um, he has his sense of humor. Um, I like British comedy. Um, you do like you some British comedy, don't you? The dryness of it (laughs) and stuff like that. But with Edgar Wright stuff and I'm more, uh, he uses everything as disposal and he's one that does it more so I feel like than other people. So what I mean by that, so for example, Shaun of the Dead. He uses editing. I mean, everyone does this, but he uses the performance of the actors, the music, the beat of the music. The I'm thinking of that one. <laughs> oh, oh Queen. Stop me yeah. Now. yeah, they're like hitting with the <laughs> yeah. hitting with the beat. Yeah. And having a good time. Um, <laughs> That's good. And he like the editing sound effects, everything he uses to help build up that humor and like yeah. hit the joke. Um for the sound effects, I have uh hot fuzz when they go and they the the house just blew up. And the two, uh, Cartwright and Wainwright, I think, are the two detectives or whatever. And there's a shot and uh, they're like, they say something along the lines. Yeah, we'll just keep an eye on you. 
and it's like that the dramatic beat or whatever is like like one leaves and yeah, then he pops yeah. back on it's like doo, 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 again and it's simple things like that where he uses the sound effects the music um the blocking um and to tell the story and the humor um along with the music the editing it's just like he has a style it's very i have written down contradictory comedy um to where he takes those dramatic tones and the dramatic editing and throw like it's it's used to display humor right um and especially with the cornetto trilogy they're parody films but they're very good films in that genre like they are I, I hot think, fuzz i think is hot fuzz very good action movie yeah great action movie Shaun of the dead i think is probably the <clears throat> the best and most realistic zombie movie ever made because that's how probably a lot of people would, <laughs> it's true. would act. Um, Let's go to the bar. <laughs> yeah. The rewatchability is yeah. one of the highest because I've seen those movies so many times. And every time I see it, I find something new that I had never noticed. And that's why I put him as my writer director, because he had to have known that he's writing his movies, knowing how he's going to direct them. Yeah. And so he stuffs it with, there is no fluff. Everything is there. The slightest in his movies, he always tells out the story of what's going to happen in a nonchalant way. It's presented in a, a throwaway line or something to where you don't even pick up on it, but he just gave away the whole movie and you're, but you're so engrossed with everything else. You don't even notice. You don't it. even notice it. And yeah, it's a good point. Um, I, I didn't <clears throat> like the world's end. I remember not that much. So, I, but to, to his to his credit, it's because Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are just awesome. It's yeah. a high, it's a, a high bar to clear. Yeah, it's it's my least favorite of the three too. It's also the least I've watched of the three. Okay, I remember the first time I saw Hot Fuzz, I wasn't a fan of it. Really? Yeah. You didn't like Hot Fuzz the first time you saw it. First time I saw it, that's surprising. I was like, eh, because I thought it was going to be more action in there. Oh, okay. Watched it the second time, and I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. The third time and the fourth time. It, it, it's I think <laughs> it's I, I think I like Hot Fuzz a little bit more than Shaun of the Shaun Dead. Shaun of the Dead, really? Yeah. Wow. And, I mean they flip flop back and it, it depends whatever one I saw the most recently. Okay. Um because they're both so good. Um but uh at World's End <clears throat> uh or the World's End um is the one Wait, I've Parts saw. of the Caribbean? Yeah. What? <laughs> Dark of the Moon? Yeah. Um <laughs> It's the one I've seen least. Uh, Baby Driver. I've never seen that. Um, <laughs> it, it. I can't watch it because Kevin Spacey's in it, folks. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> Damn it! All right. Well, we gotta. I'll throw that movie away. <laughs> um, but that movie, he did a lot of the music, like he did the the cuts and the gunshots were in tune and with the beat of the music and stuff really like that. yeah it's a, it feels like a very long music video huh. um and it's good i mean it's not it's an action caper okay uh car chase caper car chase scenes are great uh he has a good eye for action um and he has a unique way to core i'm sure he choreographed the car chase scenes and stuff like that um but I think he really excels at comedy. I haven't seen his new one. Uh, last Night in Soho? Yeah, Last Night in Soho. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Um, <clears throat> Me and Nicole saw it. Okay, how was it? Good. Yeah? Yeah. What is it? I totally agree, right? Um, 
like the synopsis? Well, uh, like what kind of movie is it? Oh, it's a it's a horror movie. Okay, horror slash suspense. All right, it's, it's up your alley. Okay, you'd like it. Um, I'll check it out. I I but I mean, the Cornetto trilogy and then Spaced. I don't know if you ever saw Spaced. It's no. a TV show. Him, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost were in. Um, <clears throat> I've heard of it. It's you see a lot of like it's it's in that comedy phase. It's that nerd comedy. Um that he kind of did with uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Okay. Um, what about Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim versus is it the world? Yeah, I saw that once. And I've only seen it once. I uh, thought it was, I mean, I think I was, it was too, like a video game. Yeah, it was a little bit like a video game. I know it was based off the comic book. I never read the comic book. I think I might have been just too old to watch that because okay. there's a lot of people I feel like that are younger than us that love that movie. Love it. Um, and it's like that generation's the wizard maybe yeah uh <laughs> to where they were just at the right age the first time yeah. they saw it and um but i mean i remember the humor being there i i was entertained by it but i just it wasn't something that i felt like i wanted to watch or had to watch again i mean right. maybe his other movies grow on me i probably need to do that one watch that one again see if it grows on me as well he does have a unique style though mm -hmm. you know you're watching an Edgar movie yeah and and i think him writing as long as he's writing it then he's in his own yeah, yeah. and because you have the control if he if he knows how if he's writing it then he knows how he's gonna make it because there's there's some directors that just cannot direct mm -hmm. other people's material yeah I'm which i think of an example uh, I'm gonna pitch myself. We were just talking about this. Like, you know why this movie sucks? Because he didn't write it. Anyway, we'll think about it. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. So Edgar Wright. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. Zack Snyder. Oh, you always tell me. You know why that movie sucked? Yeah, he didn't write he, it because he wrote it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, his, his uh, better. Yeah, because uh, Dawn of the Dead. James Gunn. And 300, he didn't write that. Watchmen, he didn't write that. Yeah. yeah he wrote he Sucker Punch. Yeah, he did. He wrote Army of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see Sucker Punch because it was a cast full of women. It was full of those. You know what would make Sucker Punch chromosomes. better? chromosomes. What's that? Bunch of dudes. Bunch of dudes. <laughs> Just, just, just sweating all over each yeah. other. Oh, yeah. yeah, drinking beer. Set a sucker punch. It'd be nut punch. <laughs> nut punch. Yeah. Oh, dude. Sounds like a drink. It does. <laughs> Fuck it. Grab some nut punch. <laughs> <laughs> Quench your thirst. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right, my next one's Christopher Nolan. Yes. I uh <clears throat> hasn't made a bad movie yet. Um have you seen the He following? made a movie about magicians interesting. Couldn't believe it. I remember watching Memento and immediately watching it right over again because it blew my mind so much. Uh and then my masterpiece oh yeah, I forgot to say the masterpiece for Quentin Tarantino is obviously pulp fiction. It's a masterpiece. Oh. Uh my masterpiece, or the the one I think you should probably Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. I think either one. 
solid. Either one, you're going to have a good time. I love Shaun of the Dead. It's good. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I mean, it's Inception to me. It's a master. It's, there's not a beat of that movie that's out of place. It's perfect. I love it. No one does scale like Christopher Nolan. He is currently unique. Yeah. Strictly unique. His, ever since Wally Pfister, uh, started, was his, his cinematographer for, that he works with, Christopher Nolan does. There's something about it. The lighting, there's no, like J.J. Abrams has a lens flare, so there's mm-hmm. something that's fuzzy or it's out of focus. His movies look clean. Like there's not a light beam that shouldn't be there. That's a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Every frame is where it needs to be. The scene, it had, the, the camera movement has a purpose. There, there's nothing. He's thought it all the way through. And only Christopher Nolan can do that. Mm-hmm. He's just... And anything he comes out with, like, he's he's doing an Oppenheimer movie with... Uh, who's it? Chillian uh, Murphy. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. It's going to be epic. And I disagree with you on the emotion. So... Interstellar is close to a masterpiece. It really is. That the scene where he's looking at the because he went on that planet and he you know decades went by and he goes up to the video and you know his son gets older he sees the grin and then starts crying and then the daughter comes and says you know you know you be you you told me that once that you know you would be here when I was your age and here we are and he's just breaking down and then the scene where he goes through the time hole or the black hole and comes out of it and his daughter's dying and, you know, in front of him right there, you mm-hmm. know, my dad said that he would come to see me or whatever and it just gets you. Come on, man. I, oh, I cried for sure. I, I that scene is emotional, man. I, cause it takes two and a half hours to build up to that moment mm-hmm. and he takes his time doing it. Yeah. It just didn't land for me. Oh my I God. Mean, I, I love him as a director. I, I think, yeah, he's the best. He's the one that has, like you said, the largest scale. Yeah. The the most spectacle. And he doesn't consistently. He doesn't rely on special like digital effects. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of in camera stuff. He figures out how to do it practically. Any anywhere he can find like he has the uh, the opposite problem of Death on the Nile. Mm-hmm. If he made Death on the Nile, you're going to Egypt, you're filming at the pyramids, everything is gonna be practical. There's gonna be a real boat, it's gonna be real water. It's gonna be real camels, mm-hmm. like that's gonna be Christopher Nolan's Death on the Nile, and it would be ten times better than that shit that yeah. they put out last yeah. year. And I, I like him because he does that. To where, yeah. um, I mean, and just like with James Cameron, but I would say if there's one person, none of my other directors on the list, like if they come out with a new movie, I'm like, all right, I'll check it. But Christopher Nolan's like, okay, yes, that you need to go see because it's. Again, one of the most influential, I think, directors in the past 30 years. Easily. Um, there will be, I mean, it'll be him, Quentin Tarantino, and. I mean, Nolan hasn't made a bad movie. He I hasn't made one bad movie. I haven't seen the following, but that's his first one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's okay. The. I mean, it's his, it's his, le- my least favorite of his, but it's still what it's watchable mm-hmm. and it's, it's pretty good, especially it's made for no money. Yeah. I think Momento did Insom- Insomniac come before or after Momento? After Momento. After Momento. See, that doesn't feel like a Christopher Nolan movie. Insomnia doesn't. It feels like a studio, like it does movie that he had. To yep. Do. 
I feel like there's Memento, and then he started with the Batmans, and that's his filmography. Um, yep. Well, the Prestige is highly underrated. The way that movie is paced. That was after Batman Begins. After right? Batman Begins. Yeah. Yep. Just again, it's a, it's a movie about dueling magicians, mm-hmm. and he made it interesting. Yeah. How? I remember going. I'm like, I don't know. I want to watch Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Magicians, really? Is that mm-hmm. what we're doing here? It's awesome. It's a mystery. The atmosphere in it's amazing. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, Memento. Holy shit! The first time I saw that, I was like, "What?" It's kind of like uh, Pulp Fiction in the in the nonlinear storytelling, but you just tell it backwards. Yeah. And I with Memento, I think I saw that one first. And I was like, oh, I told it backwards. That and I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys in I was I had to take Spanish. Um and one of the guys in my Spanish Espanol. <laughs> Espanol. Uh, um <laughs> one of the one of the guys in my Spanish class, he was a huge movie guy. Yeah. And he had like a whole printout of like movies that he had, he had very nice uh library. But I told him, I was like, Oh, I just saw Memento. And he's like, Oh, have you seen Irreversible? Which is a French film. Uh, yes, I think it's with. Uh, Isn't that rape scene notorious in it? Yeah, it's like Monica Bellucci and um, oh, the guy who plays the the fox in uh, Ocean's Twelve. I know who you're talking about. Um, it looks like it looks like a uh, European version of uh, Willard, uh, Fred Willard, not Fred Willard. Uh, he just looks French. French. Yeah. Anyways, same thing. The story is told backwards. Okay. Um, and so. And I saw that and that had more of an impact, but I saw them like very close to each other. If there was an American version. Yeah, it was uh, Memento M- Memento with uh, Joey Pants and uh, Guy Pierce. Um, <laughs> Joey, Joey Pants. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, so but Irreversible was more had more of an impact because it's a very it hits a lot harder and it's a lot more brutal than yes. what Memento is. Um, but no, I mean, I agree. I don't think he's made a bad movie. Um, you said Inception was his probably his best one. Yes, I love the way that I'm trying to describe this in the best way I can. It feel has a movie ever like the movie's about you know uh, implanting an idea, making it seem like it you're in like a dream, and then the idea is your idea. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of Inception. You came up with the idea when you watch that movie and then when it ends you're you feel like someone is is messing with your head like is he still in mm-hmm. the dream is he out of the dream has he been in this dream this whole time and then like as you rewatch it you're like oh maybe that's where he's still asleep or maybe that's where he's still you know it it just messes with your head so much to where you feel like you're you're in a dream mm-hmm. watching the movie and I love the way it ends. It's perfect. It's like, oh, oh, he's with his kids now. And then it kind of just, you know, mm-hmm. is it going to fall? And it, and it cuts to black. Yeah. Um, and the score, dude. Come on. Uh, Come on. I saw it in IMAX. And then it's like, this movie is crazy. Yeah. I think, I think it might be as... I could see it being his best movie. I have to watch Dunkirk again. The my favorite one that he did was Interstellar, obviously. But I, um, but no, it was 
technically is better movie. I would say either that or Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, Interstellar is. I mean, Dark Knight's pretty good, but uh, Inception, I, I like the idea better. I do like, too. It's just a good, unique. It is. I think I'd have to I, agree I like with Inception you better than The Dark Knight. But I mean, come on, we're comparing The Dark Knight and this guy directed yeah. The Dark Knight and Inception mm-hmm. and Interstellar. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Jeez. I, I'm glad he's still youngish. I know. He's still got tons of, tons of movies left tons in him. time was it? 20 years? How, how old is he? He was probably, what, 50? Probably around there. Yeah. He's got. I hope he doesn't do like a Kubrick and it takes him nine years or Cameron. Ends it with eyes wide shut or some yeah, bullshit. Some stupid. <laughs> but no, I can't. Oppenheimer, I mean, the. Talking about uh, doing a biopic. I think it's a biopic. Oh, yeah. It's about the birth of the atomic bomb. bomb, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I heard he's actually going to set one off and film it. (laughs) That's what he would do. He's doing practical. It's like, yeah. No, we're going to Nevada and we're setting off a bomb. Be Wally Feaster's last film. That's right. He's got a radiation poisoning. (laughs) Or just stand there. Gonna, <laughs> his organs are gonna melt let off the fucking bomb <laughs> better get this shot you better get this shot you bastard <laughs> you prick <laughs> just take it yeah so yeah christopher nolan and inception is the masterpiece that yes people, yeah yeah i think i agree all right what's uh, the next one jay uh next one is wes anderson you know what? Uh, I was talking to Nicole, and she said, uh, "You know what he's gonna pick? He's gonna pick that stupid, <laughs> weird <laughs> director. You know, with all the dumb stuff in it." <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "No, he won't." She's like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna pick that." I'm like, "All right, well maybe he will." Yep, I picked him, and <laughs> it's, it happened. I have him in. Uh, Edgar Wright is an auteur in a sense, but I think Wes Anderson, I have him as my favorite auteur director. Okay. Um, and he is an auteur in every yeah. sense and or definition of the word. And I think people that I've talked to either love him or hate him. Um, I love him. The more Wes Anderson he gets, the, the more I love it. Just it's, can't get enough of it. Can you Jay? Yeah, I can't. And, <laughs> and I think it, it I like him because they're comfort movies. Okay. Um, they're relaxing and they're the exact opposite of a Wes Anderson movie for me would be a Softy Brothers, like uh, Uncut Gems. That Words, entire time cocaine. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I can't I was, breathe. Yeah, I was having a panic attack. Yeah. Um, but I have. That's a good comparison <clears throat> to the opposite. Yeah. Yes. And. I like his use of consistent, his consistent use of the same similar actors, plus the consistent style of acting he gets from those actors. Because every, it's like, oh, I have my acting, and oh, I'm acting in a Wes Anderson movie. I'm going to act this way, kind of the very d- deliberate. Everything is so deliberate, and um, I, I like his use of color, uh, palettes, and set designs. Um, to where he has his, you got your pastels for uh, Grand Budapest. You have your uh, autumn colors for Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. You, I mean, he's, he finds a color palette and he creates that. I feel like 
his are his movies it's art that he's creating in all aspects yeah um from that's fair the set i the way the sets are constructed um everything's like a playhouse um and i like that i like that design i like that aesthetic um i know a lot of people don't um a lot yeah. of people are like oh well he's too well he's just going off the deep end but i'm like yeah but i mean if you like the style then then you'll like the style so right kind of well thing. they're used to michael bay jay and those slow-mo shots that you know there's 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 a digital whatever the fuck out there yeah and there's just it's frantic editing and pacing wes anderson's movies are it's literally like it feels like the camera is just set in place mm-hmm. it's perfectly framed there's right degree angles everywhere yeah. and it, you're right it's like you're viewing a play mm-hmm. yeah the shot composition the object placement um the cadence of people speaking uh camera movements i mean everything is so particular and it's like a it's like a painting. I don't know. I, but um, so he's my uh, he was part of the two that I knew was going to be on my list. Right. And damn it, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> she knows me too well. She knows me. <laughs> um, and his sense of music. He does nice offbeat music, but also pop music. So he'll throw in Beach Boys. He'll throw in David Bowie, but he'll yeah. also have weird shit that wes anderson is into like oh well, i'm gonna have this bolivian singer sing david bowie in portuguese or something like or some portuguese singer singing like co whatever i don't know but his music i love it um th- they feel so comforting and i like i have um i have it written down he has a great ability to present an absurd situation in a very non-absurd way <laughs> but can take that understated absurdity and make you laugh or cry. Yeah. And because like he, he takes this huge thing, boils it down to something very simple and he can make you, I mean, feel sadness or, or laugh like his sense of humor. is So dry. I feel like he, he's just kind of like lingers on the, um, yeah, it's so I, I, it's so dry. You could start a brush fire. Yeah, <laughs> the I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of um, a way to call it, but like it's just so he doesn't pay attention to it. It's like here's something funny. If you laugh at it, great. If not, we're moving on. Exactly. And it's very yeah. It's very paced. There's it's like next next thing next thing. Yep. There's a thing when uh, was a Grand Budapest. They are trying to steal the painting that they get off the wall. And they're like, oh, they, they take the painting off the wall and there's like a, a faded mark or something like, oh, we got to put something up there. Quick, put that painting up there. And they put it up there. And it's like two girls like finger fucking each other. And it's like <laughs> yeah. something so weird and all. It's like, what the fuck? But they don't call attention <laughs> to just hang it up and then run. And they just run out. And yeah. um, <laughs> oh, God, there's that. There's um, the other scene I like in Grand Budapest is um, when Gustav. Uh, Ray Fine's character at the end um, when they get stopped by the Germans in the train again and he stands up for zero. Um, understated, it's not presented really any differently than the last time he stood up for zero when the Germans stopped, but 
it was the end of I think his life or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that's when he was captured or whatever. But it had like a just a tinge of sadness to it. Right. Um. Yeah. But that's what I like about it. It's like he, he just this ridiculous thing, but everyone's just playing it straight and yep. cool and not mm -hmm. a big deal. Like yep. the, the world could be on fire. And like, okay, well, let's solve this problem. And uh, <laughs> we'll solve it with antique tuba parts. Yes. <laughs> but um, I, so one of my favorite memories uh, at the movies, uh, we went to go see the life aquatic with Steve Zizou mm -hmm. and I recommended it. And I saw it with, I think four or five people and we get there and the whole movie I'm laughing. Mm -hmm. None of my friends are. And they're trying to find this. I think it's a shark. I haven't seen it in a while. And they're, you know, <laughs> they get to the movie, they find the shark, and it's like this claymation mm -hmm. like thing that it's totally fake. I'm laughing because my friends are waiting for like some spectacle, like some digital awesome yeah. thing that and I'm you know the whole time I'm like, and they're they're all mad and I'm just laughing because I know that they're mad because it's not like a transformer mm -hmm. or something. And then it's I think that's partly the joke. <laughs> it's 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 absurd. Yeah. Yeah. It's a claymation shark. It's, it's something so and I think he because he he does integrate a lot of stop motion animation. Like a lot of obviously it's fake. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And I don't know if he does that to, oh, it's too fantastic to actually capture this kind of a thing. So he resorts to that. Or if it's just, I wanted to fit that style. Because he had some of the other, like he had the crabs. Like a lot of the sea life that they had was stop motion. Um, so I don't know if he just was trying to keep with that theme. It's funny you laugh. I uh, That's probably one of the most emotional beats of any of his films for that movie. Um, because I, I just love it. Everyone's sitting there and, um, he's, he says that line of, oh, that's the shark that killed my friend. I wonder if he remembers me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, um, and that, that, that's what the whole movie was basically. He was, he wanted to go kill the shark that ate his best friend. Yep. And, um, but yeah, I mean, themes aside, I, I think that's, that's where I liked that's the his earliest movie that I like. Um, Royal Tannenbaums, it's there. I feel like it's like it's sixty percent Wes Anderson. He hasn't found his footing quite yet. Yeah, and I feel like Life Aquatic was. Yep, that's, that's it. And then he went forward, and everything after that I could yep. watch forever. Um, Bottle Rocket, um, Rushmore, Rushmore's good. I feel like that's. A, just looked at as a coming of age movie. I think it's a great coming of age movie. Mm -hmm. It's not a Wes Anderson. -y it's not movie. There's some elements you can kind of see, but it's like, it's there's, there's like 30% Wes Anderson there. Yep. Um, and, but when he was able to really start doing what he wanted to do or having complete control over what he wanted to have control over, um, is when I enjoy it the most. Right. Um, yeah, you do. But, uh, yeah, I like it. The uh, I would say as far as what I think his masterpiece is, um, I would say Grand Budapest Hotel is probably his most well liked movie. It was it was nominated for Best Picture um, in twenty fifteen, and but personally, I I think I like Life Aquatic the best. Yeah, um, 
but Grand Budapest is still that's up there. <laughs> Grand Budapest, pretty. pretty cool. <laughs> you have you seen the French Dispatch yet? Yes, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I've only seen it once. I'll need to see it another another time. But I enjoyed um, the first two stories. It's kind of presented as a like an anthology. Yeah, a little bit. It's like a magazine story. So the it takes place at a magazine. Okay. And it's the French Dispatch of this Kansas Evening, whatever the hell, <laughs> some <laughs> long ass title um, with tuba parts. And that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so but each story is presented as like a different feature in the magazine. OK. Um, and uh, the first two sections, I really like third one. I thought was like, eh, well, yeah, wasn't as good as the other ones. But um, I enjoyed it. The acting. I mean, it's, it's Wes Anderson. It's that's right. He could. Everyone's stoic. Everyone's delivering their lines how they should be delivered. Yep. Yep. Ridiculous things happening all around and yep. no one batting an eye. No Just, one even cares. God, I love it. He could <laughs> he could film shit on the floor <laughs> and it would it'd be fermenting good. cheese, Jay. Yeah, and I'd be, go out and see it. <laughs> it'd be good looking shit on the floor. <laughs> um that's a good pick though. That's definitely an acquired taste though. It is. Uh, which is why I like that. I and like for me, taste. I think I've seen it so many times. It's just it's comfort stuff. Like it's right. It's like so, put on a warm blanket. For yeah, you. just love it. Yeah, good. it's like coming home. Yep. Ah, uh, Jay. I'm gonna come home. I'm gonna put on some Wes Wes Anderson. Anderson. Brew some coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's nothing better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good pick. Um, David Fincher. I don't think anyone does atmosphere and tone better. Than David Fincher, oh, man, I I think Seven alone is obviously that that's his masterpiece to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 one of those movies where it's a simple story on paper. It's like okay, two cops and they're going after a killer, and what's his, what's his what's his niche? Oh, it's Seven Deadly Sins. All right, great, a dime a dozen story or whatever. But it's so well paced and creepy, and they build the characters. I like the fact that it's only it only spans like six days, seven or seven days, obviously mm-hmm. seven days, and you just follow these characters each day, and it ends abruptly, so tragically, and it builds to that. Just it it builds to it so. I didn't see it coming. I don't think anyone else saw it coming, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel forced. It felt like, yep, that's what that guy would do. And they built it up from start to finish. This guy is out of his mind and he's crazy. The, 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 the kills in it were so jarring and interesting, but it didn't take away from the story itself. I mean, the atmosphere in that movie is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the how they how they structured the uh, so when the when they introduce you know Morgan Freeman and then and Brad Pitt Brad, Brad Pitt's like the the new guy coming on you know to to solve the case and, and Morgan Freeman's on his way out doesn't even want to do it the way that relationship is is they're they're both so good in it and then how they set up the relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. To where you get that emotional feeling at the end when you do realize that she's her head's in the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so good. And it's very David Fincher. 
in the atmosphere and the tone. He's very consistent with his tone and his in uh, the atmosphere in all of his movies. That's never it's never like this is what this movie is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else. That's not like Sam Raimi where okay, there's a horror and it's a comedy. With David Fincher, it's strictly this movie is going to be brooding. <laughs> it's going to be dark, and you're gonna love it. I mean, from Seven to the Game to Fight Club, uh, Panic Room. The only movie that kind of goes out of it is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. But everything else he's made, Jay, it's like, it's very one, it's it's like one note mm-hmm. in terms of genre, like The Social Network. It's it's like, a, it's a, it's a drama. It's not a thriller or anything, but it's one note. The same thing with uh, uh, Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. It's one note. There's no comedy. There's no... Uh, it's it's all suspense. There's not really any drama. It's not trying to make you cry. It's just this was this is what this movie is, and this is how we're gonna ride all the way through. There's no other element to it, but he executes it so well. He does. I he he also uses special effects brilliantly to where you don't even notice it. Um, and I'm thinking, are you talking about Ben Affleck's penis and Gone Girl? No, I'm talking about <laughs> Brad Pitt's penis and town, uh, Benjamin Button. Yeah. Um, it's not the only thing that ages backwards. Yeah. Um, but no, like uh, Zodiac. Well, Zodiac's my favorite David Fincher movie. But there's really? a lot of scenes in there using green screen. You would have no idea was a green screen. He uses it so effectively. He doesn't use it as a crutch. He uses it to supplement the story to where... Yeah, we're not in the 70s anymore. I need to redo Fisherman's Wharf the way it looked in the 70s. But he does it in a, such a subtle way, it's not obvious. Like, it's a very good digital that he does. And and I think, um, and he has a, I don't know what gave him that firm grasp. Because Benjamin Button was pretty, I mean, that won an Oscar for special effects. Um, and... He used it probably some of the establishing shots, but he doesn't use it as like as huge as uh, Michael Bay or he doesn't put in like blood, obvious blood splatters everywhere that it's I need it to look this way. The only way I can do that is digitally or I need to add that little thing, but everything else is going to because um, there's a scene uh, Mark Ruffalo and um, Anthony Edwards um, goose come in uh, and they are looking at the cab where a cab driver got shot in uh, Zodiac and they're walking in the street. They're talking to the cops and everything else that's shot on location in a real street in San Francisco, but there's a green screen there because he needed to do the replacement of the streets because there was too many modern buildings in the background. So he's shooting on location, but he's like, okay, I need, I need this little bit gone put that in there i i i appreciate people who use special effects that way because to the extent you have no idea they're even there and right. that's how i think the only way that you should be using them is that everything should be believable on screen maybe he went that way because his experience with alien 3 and using special effects for special effects sake he just had a terrible experience with it and he's like all right well not doing that anymore yeah and i think yeah because i mean it's been a while since i've seen alien 3 and i I know some of the stuff was practical, but I wonder if there is, I'm trying to remember if there's anything computer yeah, generated in there, there. Was there? 
Yeah, um, when the aliens are chasing him out of the tunnels, like they're, the alien is like jumping mm-hmm. across okay. the tunnels, and it's, it looks bad. Yeah, nowadays it's pretty dated. So, but even then, that's that atmosphere is David Fincher. Mm-hmm. It, you can tell. Oh yeah, there's just like the grimy, the grimy filter to it, and well, after steam. fight, yeah, there's always there's, a lot of there's steam. Always steam. But uh, but no, it's their steam in seven. <laughs> <laughs> There's semen and seven. There's a lot of semen. <laughs> um, steam and semen. <laughs> um, but but uh yeah, Jeff Cromenworth. Cromenworth, sorry. That that was the cinematographer for Fight Club, and he's been the cinematographer for everything I, I think except for the curious case of Benjamin Button. And you can tell, like it, it's kind of like uh Steven Spielberg and Janusz Kamitsky. Like it's this is they have a distinct filter. Uh, a distinct amount of lighting that comes through and hits the actors in the scene. Like you can tell that, okay, that's a David Fincher filter. Mm-hmm. That is what that's supposed to look like. And man, he, he's just, I mean, he made a, a movie about Zuckerberg. Interesting. I remember when they, when he announced that I'm doing a movie about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, like David Fincher, he's following up Zodiac with that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, this is going to suck. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? I have no idea. It's fantastic. It's well paced. Uh, it's like a thriller. I don't know how they did that. I mean, the writing is obviously very good. Aaron Sorkin's a great writer, but I mean, the the tone in it and the the mood in it is just strictly Fitcher. And uh, trying to uh, what did I write? Hold on. Oh yeah, Jared Leto and Cornrows. I mean, anybody who can do that. <laughs> Make that look cool is great. I mean, and that's another reason why he's so great. It's he'll make a movie about uh he'll make a nice little crime filler in seven, and then he'll make an an epic like the curious case of Benjamin Button or a movie that spans numerous time periods like Zodiac, and then he'll make Panic Room, mm-hmm. which is set in one room in one house, and make that thrilling somehow. Uh I mean the guy's just Again, one of those directors where the second he comes out with something new, I'll watch it. I wasn't expecting Gone Girl to be good at all. I'm not the biggest Ben Affleck fan, and mm-hmm. uh, I was just shocked about how uh, how good that movie was. Yeah. And Mindhunter, I think. That's it. Oh, yeah, he does TV well. House of Cards. He directed the pilot for that one. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's really good. Yeah. No one, no one does tone and atmosphere as well as he does. And I think, and it, and it works. It works really, really well. Um. So, what would you would you say? You said Zodiac is his masterpiece. That's my favorite movie. Your favorite movie. You wouldn't even did. consider it a masterpiece. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it's. I like it because I like the music. I like it set yeah. in the period. Um. I like Robert Downey Jr. in it. I like Mark Ruffalo in it. Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I think... I don't know what I would call his masterpiece. I mean, I think... It it doesn't have to have one. Yeah. And, I mean, but Zodiac's the one I've seen the most. Okay. Like, and that's... Like, on a Saturday afternoon, I can put Zodiac on. And, like, that's... It's just a good... Like, the acting's good. Everything's good on it. I mean, mm-hmm. the directing's good. The the music is good. The um, Everyone does such a good job of, with it. And uh, and for me, that's seven. Yeah. I could watch that anytime. 
It still hits. Yeah. So, oh, it's so good. Hurley Burley. Oh, God. That, yeah. that, that song in Zodiac. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I think it's Hurley Burley. Yeah. And I I don't, well, I kind of like Mank. Uh, well, I, I, I didn't like Mank as much as I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I think it was a passion project of his. I know his, his dad wrote the screenplay and he passed away right before he made it. So I think he just wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. It's obviously very well made. Uh, I like the black and white choice uh, to do it that way. I haven't seen it. Is Gary Oldman? Yeah, good. He's very it? good. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's about writing a screenplay of a movie that I haven't even seen yet. Yeah, and it's just so revered, and you know, it's it's it reminded me a little bit of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where okay, they're just it's like a vanity project. He wants to make it because it's like nostalgic. And I mm-hmm. think that's what Fincher wanted to do with make. It, it was good, but you know, I don't know. It didn't feel like a Fincher movie. Didn't it? Is it because it was on <laughs> Netflix? That could be it too. Content, Jay content, the yeah, content. Yeah. Um, because I mean, did he still have the same team that he has on his other films? I think it was the same editors, cinematography. Yeah, yeah. I think all of it. Yeah, hmm. I don't. It could be Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I they just don't. I don't know. The quality's going down. There's something missing. There's yes. Another time, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That's that was that was my number four. So seven. Watch seven for a David Fincher movie. Seven. Okay. I, I don't. How could you be a movie fan and not like seven? I'm sorry. It's so good. If you're gonna make write a crime drama, a crime thriller, mystery, that's the that's what it should be. But Kevin Spacey's in it. You gotta throw it away. He dies in the end. There, Jay. He dies at the end. But not in real life. He's still alive in real life. That's why you got to throw it away. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with this. <laughs> Can't throw away seven. You got to ignore anything that anyone's ever touched. <laughs> all, I mean, all, we could do this all day. I, I, threw, away, go through all, I threw away all my Will Smith movies. Because did you? By God, am I going to judge a guy for 30 seconds of fucking up? absolutely you bet your ass no i will one, no you better you listeners you better not make a mistake <laughs> ever i hate fresh prince of bel-air i enjoy one second of it you know what fuck bad boys i hate like, all of wait, it fuck bad, like the movie or you, you oh saying? i'm sorry yeah the movie i didn't clarify oh, okay. the movie oh yeah me too what <laughs> that's what i meant <laughs> So, all right. So, David Fincher, seven masterpiece. Seven. Cool. Yes. All right. My final director. Okay. Who do you think it's going to be? Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This. Uh, oh, I know. Who? I know exactly who it is. Now that I thought, I'm like. His favorite movie. Oh, it's yeah. Zemeckis. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> and I have him as best all around. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, he's the greatest. <laughs> he's uh, 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 you're the, the best around. Nothing to take it down. Um, so I have him, and this is he's my favorite director because he's he's just a good all around director. I don't think he's the best director ever. Um, but I have several things. So first, he's versatile. Yep. He does drama. He does sci-fi. He's done comedy. He's done an adventure. He's done problem films, which like addiction films. He's done war films. He's done a fam- several family fa- family films, Christmas films, and a horror thriller. Um, he's done it in live action, motion capture, 3D, special effects, live action with animation um with who framed roger rabbit um his play with his masterpiece (laughs) it's so good it's close yeah the uh his play with camera shots and the opening scene in contact when young ellie which is i want to call her johanna from uh hunger games um she was in donnie darko oh what are you talking about um god damn it anyways um when she's run into the medicine cabinet and it turns into the mirror shot. Yep. He's, he's good at playing with the camera and, um, polar express, same thing, even though it's motion capture animation, following the ticket, flying out of the, um, the train, it goes, falls down the hill, rolls into a snowball, falls off the cliff down. You see the wolves running and then it kind of blows through underneath the bridge, goes back up into the train. And so he does long, um decorative shots he did that with forrest gump with the with the feather um by the way my kids love the polar express i love the polar express i didn't watch it first time i watched it uh christy and i it was when um we were at the house we were renting and it came on tv and we're like up next the polar express and um i was like oh creepy motion capture and (laughs) christy's like Oh, have you not seen? Have you seen it? I was like, no. And she's like, you haven't seen it? It's good. Of course, she falls asleep twenty minutes in. <laughs> I was hooked immediately, and yep. I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now <laughs> every year at Christmas, I like yeah. I immediately I went out and bought it on Blu-ray, and I was like, this is this is good. Um, it is a Christmas masterpiece. I must. Yes, it yeah, is. It's it's fantastic. The um, he's his. The thing that got me, I feel like he's one of the best scene directors. Um, Back to the Future, the DeLorean and the lightning strike, that whole scene, the way it's cut together, um, the the camera and just the the slowly quicker cuts, the everything building up to that moment. He's very good at uh, creating that tension or that anticipation Uh, flight, the plane plane crash scene. Uh, I remember the first time I saw that movie, I, t- I turned to Christy. I was like, that, that fucker knows how to direct a scene. And I was like, I was pumped. Like I was just like glued to my seat that the entire time or uh, sitting at the edge of my seat um, contact during the uh, climactic launch of the vessel. Yep. That whole scene. Um, Forrest Gump, the Vietnam battle. Um, and that like the, his ability to direct the scene, but he also uses special effects 
as I said during David Fincher, the best way possible to you support the story, support the story. You do not notice it. And, uh, and it serves the story. So you have the feather and Forrest Gump. I remember when that movie came out, I was like, oh, that feather wasn't real, but it looked real mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, it was, it was good special effects, but it didn't take you out because you, it looked real. Um, Lieutenant Dan's legs, uh, playing ping pong, meeting the presidents. Uh, he had a, that is a very effect heavy film and you don't think of it as special. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't remember if it won special effects for best or an Oscar for best special I effects. Did. I think it did. Um, but you, you don't, when you think of Forrest Gump, you don't think of effect heavy movie to no. where there's a crap ton of shots in there that were really, really well done. And you, you, you can't, you don't notice them. I mean, there's things sitting, there's like a wooden spool that's computer generated when Lieutenant Dan spins him around after he falls out of his yep. wheelchair. It's not there. It looks like it's, I mean, everything is so well done. It's the best use of special effects. Um, I think the only thing that people remember for special effects wise for that movie is when Forrest is talking to like Kennedy or Linda B. John, yeah. LBJ or something. Yeah. And it's still really well done. They filter it out. They it's do. like, as if it, it's, he works with it and then you have, but he's always done special effects. So, I mean, you have some of the special effects are dated in back to the future, but like, uh, in, uh, death becomes her the hole through Goldie Hawn seeing right through her body. Yeah. You have Meryl Streep's head turned all the way around. Um, little bit iffy, but I mean, he's always kind of played with it, but it serves the story. It's not just in there just to be in there. Um, the height, like during the walk, uh, with this 3d um just that whole sequence of him walking again sweaty hands yeah and um his ability to use effects that way and then uh the doll effects in welcome to marwin uh with steve I never Carell. saw that one i saw it it's, it's fine i mean it's i i saw the documentary that that movie was based on like years before um but the there's a doll effect to where it it's really well done it makes steve carell look like a plastic doll i mean it's but it's not it's not so jarring and fake it it's very tastefully done um but yeah he used the special effects uh my favorite way uh ever is just to support the story yeah and his stories are very good like timeless Mm -hmm. i mean forrest gump is Is there a better story that he did? Yeah. I mean, like uh, interesting story. Personally, I, I mean, I mean, I know back to the future is your yeah, favorite movie, but I mean, Forrest Gump is, is pretty, it, I think that's as epic like his. Yeah. Um, but a better story. I, don't think so but i mean everything he does though is like like you said good stories very good um the yeah i don't know i mean forrest gump i think is probably is is magnum opus no, yeah. no, Back to the Future is. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to step on you. <laughs> I, no, I mean, see, 
and the thing is with like Robert Zemeckis, he doesn't have he's not an auteur. He doesn't have a very distinct style. He can direct anything and he can do it competently. And that's that's why I have him as best all yeah, around. He can true. do anything and it'll be a well done movie. Um but he You're he, right, he doesn't have that obvious style. No. No, not like a like like a Fincher or um who knows it who's I just talking about? A Tarantino. Tarantino or, or Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. He, like the very first frame, it's like, oh, this is a Nolan movie. Mm. Oh, this is a Fincher movie. Zemeckis isn't like that. You're right. And he's not. And I think that's why part of it, I think, is why he can do so many different genres. Because it's not like, oh, here's a here's a Zemeckis movie, but it's a Western, or here's a Zemeckis movie, it's a comedy. It's right. no, here's a comedy. Yeah. Here's a drama. Here's you've never a seen war unless you've seen it through the, the eyes, eyes of, of Tarantino. Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> <laughs> um oh guys, what are we doing here? A war movie? <laughs> yeah. Did Castaway? I yeah. Mean, um Castaway I was is not my I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I, and I like him because he sh- he changes it up. So he did uh, used cars, um, which was I think a comedy or something. I never saw it. I but, never saw it either. Uh, after Back to the Future, he did uh, well. Before that, he did Romancing the Stone. Yeah, Romancing the Stone with uh, Michael Douglas. Um, good adventure, just yeah, solid. Yeah, it was like a a almost a generic version of Indiana Jones. Yeah, kind of. Um, or just kind of like play off that same kind of pulpy yep uh kind of hero um and then but and then does back to the future and then he does who framed roger rabbit who framed roger rabbit which taking live action and i know melting it with animation that well back then yep it's an interesting story Mm -hmm. it's a a good like mystery yeah which is shocking it's a movie about Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins. <laughs> the poor man's Danny DeVito, as I used to say. <laughs> um, and then he goes from, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think he did a couple more. Right, well, he finished off the Back to the Future stuff. Back to the Future stuff, then did Forrest Gump. And Death then, Becomes Her. Yeah, Death Becomes Her, then Forrest Gump. Yep. Um, and then after that. Contact, right? Uh. Yeah, after that was Contact. That was 97. I just got to say this about Contact. Never before have I been so engrossed in trying to... I I could not wait to see how this story was going to end because the pacing was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You get wrapped up in the mystery of the alien signal. He puts you right there, and then you find out it's... Like, South Park does a great bit about it. That's why I love South Park. Mm. Yeah, Mr. Garrison, by the way, has like a flashback where he's like he's he's has a traumatic experience and he's he go he flashes back to where he was watching Contact. Where he's like, oh god, oh god, <laughs> oh, spent three hours watching the movie and found out the alien was her fucking father. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt exactly. Mm-hmm. I it was like, really, it's her. I try. I understand he's trying to get the emotional, mm-hmm. but it didn't hit for me there. Yeah, not like Forrest Gump mm-hmm. and, or Castaway. And I agree. Like the, I felt the same way the first time I saw it, and the ending doesn't. 
I like it more as I got older, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still kind of goofy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I'll put on the story. Um, not so much. The sto- oh, the story. Gotcha. Yeah. So because I think it was based on a book. Um, I don't remember. And. Uh, but I liked the real ending, which was because I was like, oh, it's I was I was waiting for like a an alien a creature or something like that like some kind of like payoff like that uh because it was like right after um independence day and is around that time to where it's like oh some weird alien creature and is nope it's just oh i'm gonna present to you as your father because it's easier for your mind to handle yep um because that's the way that's the way we do things yep that's you're the first step I think the mission to Mars was another movie that came out right after contact. Yeah. There was a lot of alien Mm -hmm. movies there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, everything up until that point I really liked, but I do like the, the last bit when James Woods is having a conversation with, uh, the, the other person on the committee. And, uh, she's like, well, that, uh, what's interesting is the recordings of her trip. And, He's like, okay, I'm listening. He's like, it recorded 18 hours of static. Yeah. And I, I like that like little beat. Like, nice little touch. Right at the, a nice touch at the end and to where you're not thinking, oh, did she imagine this kind of a thing? Because yeah. the, the whole thing is about faith or like it's yep. one of the themes and all that. But um, but no, I mean, paced really well. Everything is everything he does is very well done. Um, but after that, he did uh, What Lies Beneath. Like a little thriller with uh, was it Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, and then he goes into motion capture for three movies. Yep. Um, and then he does the Walk, a three D movie. Then he does Allied and Welcome Tomorrow. So, in yep. I think his recent one was the Witches uh, remake. Yep. I didn't watch that. Um, it's not good. No. No. Is it? Did you like the original? Yes. Is it not good because you like the original? No. No, it's just not. It's just not good. Really? Like, just <laughs> technically, just not a good movie? Like you said, uh, you, you set up Zemeckis here is he doesn't, he uses the visual effects and you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. The Witches is, does suffer from that problem of it's, there's too many visual effects and it, it's, mm. it's like animated mouses. The effects on Annie Hathaway's character are stupid looking. It just takes you out of it. Where the original one, it's practical. Yeah. Jim Henson's makeup is amazing in it. And it's scary for kids, you know. Mm-hmm. This one is not scary. It's just there's too much visual effects. It just took it out of me. I just didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. It's not that good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I was shot. Well, it's because of Netflix. Well, this is an H released on HBO Max and on theaters. Mm-hmm. So it's just for a streaming service. Did he just want to? I got to give him something. Yeah. Here it is. It's done. Yeah. Farted out. And- yeah. I'm contracted to do this, and here's what you get. Yeah. Stream it. Could be it too, but yeah, that's but, a good pick though. I I love Zemeckis. Yeah, and I think and no one talks about him. I know why is that? I don't I, get be, it. I I think it. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, Back to the Future is his most popular. That and Forrest Gump, I think, is yeah, without a doubt. And um, he's made some like hits, man. Yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit made a lot of money. And I think part of that is one, he doesn't have the branding or the. Uh, recognition of Spielberg. Yeah. Um, even though he's worked with Steel- Spielberg most of his career mm-hmm. to where Spielberg got him his start 
Um, yeah. And so I don't, he doesn't have that brand name like Spielberg and he doesn't have a distinct style, but he's just very good. It, uh, he's a very competent director. Um, and I don't know if he's, he doesn't strike me as someone that is a people person. I don't think I've really seen him do interviews. I know just yeah. from what I know from him, he really likes control over a lot of things. And there's a theory that's why he went to motion capture in the mid 2000s oh. is because he could control everything at that point. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, maybe it could be a personality thing, but I mean, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why people don't talk about it because I mean, he's done. Yeah, Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, uh, Castaway, Castaway was huge when yep. it came out. Um, all of these movies have made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like What Lies Beneath made a lot of money. These are all box office yeah. hits. All of them. Mm-hmm. Flight made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and Flight was... Polar I, I Express that. made a lot of money. I think that was... The, I haven't seen Allied yet. I wanted to watch, try to watch Allied before um before we recorded this but um i think flight i watched didn't know it was going to be a like a problem film a uh addiction film yeah i was pleasantly surprised i was like okay yeah that, that's okay okay <laughs> okay oh no you did <laughs> that's my denzel impression <laughs> oh, okay okay all right all right <laughs> we'll go home you won't go jesus that that's not <laughs> but um but no i mean i think he's i think he's just one of the really good i mean he's been working for 40 years i know and uh i mean there's so many directors that do a couple of good movies and then just kind of vanish but i like it i like him too because he changes it up he's like oh well this this interests me let's do that i'm gonna do that Yep. kind of a thing and he doesn't stick to genre he doesn't stick to it necessarily a style but he do, he he likes to play around with the camera enough to where oh i'm gonna try this kind of shot yep thing or whatever to where i feel like he makes movies for himself i guess a little bit more than kind of like wes anderson yeah yeah a little bit yeah it's a good pick yeah so robert zemeckis i would say for one movie That's a. I don't know. I either one. I think Forrest Gump is what everyone knows him for. That, I mean, it. I'd say Forrest Gump. That's solid. But you're not going to go wrong if you choose Back to the Future. I mean, that's one of the better trilogies. Um, yeah, but I mean, Back to the Future is a masterpiece. Yeah, it is a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, it's, I think Forrest Gump is a little bit more larger. It's a bigger movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Big scale. And Spanning multiple decades. I think the special effects are better done in that. Story's good. I mean, it's based on a book, but I mean, Back to the Future. I mean, he had a hand in the Back to the Future story. So yep. yeah, either one, it, you're not going to be disappointed with either one. I think they're both, th- those are his biggest movies there's right they're both great i like it all right well to round this conversation out uh i tried so hard not to include this 
person in there, but I just couldn't help yourself. I am like, I'm trying too hard to not include some, someone because for the sake of not including them Mm -hmm. and it's Steven Spielberg. Yep. He's just my favorite. I thought thought you were going a different way because I thought I was was going, he's only made like three movies though. So it's not enough. (laughs) Where'd you think I was going? Um, uh, what's his nut? Um, Frank Darabont. I, the only reason I didn't pick him is because he he does he's only made like four movies. Yeah. But he has made my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And it's a good movie. I like Mist is so good though. The Mist is very good. God, it's so Underrated. Ah, oh, so good. I love it. Because it ends on a sour note and I appreciate that. I would say the I would equate uh, the Shawshank Redemption with Forrest Gump came out in the same year. It's a generically well done movie. Like they're both very, they're technically very good films. They are both very good films. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, they're, they're both very similar. For, for everyone who can't. Yeah. <laughs> Jay I'm, is making I'm like moving a... my hands in like a bunny foo foo kind of a formation. Yeah. Um, but it would be, I, th- I think Mist is his. He's that's your favorite. I think so because I feel like he's. I mean, that's based on a short story, I believe, to Stephen King story, Steve, right? Yeah, he loves him some Stephen King, and he's only directed Stephen King adaptations so, for films. I think Shawshank Redemption is technically a better movie. Um, it's a better. Shawshank Redemption is a better movie. I think I like Mist more because the writing, the the story. Uh, he does a very good job with that story, but I think Shawshank Redemption is probably his best movie. Um, but I enjoyed the Mist hit me like oh, the it hit everybody. God, oh yeah, and um, but yeah, I mean they're they're both good. But yeah, and bam. I mean the Green Mile is emotional mm-hmm. i cri- i mean i cried at the end of that movie because he, he's john coffee is just like the uh sweetest guy yeah and he has to execute him and mm-hmm. those performances are amazing uh but you know shawshank is like i i, I feel like it's just a perfect movie mm-hmm. through and through the majestic yeah it's okay nice little movie but that's all he has yeah. he only has four so and he did The Walking Dead, and that's that's all Frank Darabont has done since. And it sucks. Season but, one of it, but right. Um, uh, yeah. But he just didn't make enough. Yeah. So I, again, I was I felt like I was just trying to keep the Steven Spielberg off the list because everyone says Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg, like you said, Martin Scorsese. But I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, he's just my favorite director. He's you know part of my childhood mm-hmm. he, for a lot of the same reasons you were talking about Zemeckis. I, th- I feel like Spielberg's the same thing. Mm-hmm. He just not doesn't stick to one genre. He's jumps all over the place. He'll do a horror movie with Jaws. He'll do an adventure movie with Raiders of the Lost Ark and the other Indiana Jones movies. He'll do a nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, historical caper with Munich. He'll mm-hmm. do a cat and mouse movie with Catch Me with uh, Catch Me If You Can. And yeah, I mean, Spielberg is a better premiere version of Zemeckis. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, in Zemeckis is kind of like the yeah. the poor man Spielberg. It's really hard. Wait, I mean, it, <laughs> it sounds mean, but I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, there's, yeah. I would put 
I would put Zemeckis right below Spielberg before I'd put J.J. Abrams right below Spielberg. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, so. Oh, God, how dare you even put J.J. Abrams in the same breath? <laughs> He's so overrated. Yeah, he is. Fucking J.J. Abrams. He's really good at starting things. <laughs> he just can't stick the he landing. He just can't stick the landing, can no, he, Jay? No, he can't. Yeah, he belly flopped that one. Yeah. Started with Lost. You should have known after Lost. What a I, great premise, and then it just flopped. Like a best movie was Star Trek. That was it. He should have just done that and then quit. And that was it. Yeah. yeah. But I put here, uh, what is there to say? His movies are like a warm blanket. For me at least. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. comfort oh, movies. Yeah. yeah, they are comfort They're movies. Unbelievable. I They're mean, fun. They're all Yes. And here's why he's so unique to me. Spielberg movies, there's a clear antagonist and there's a clear protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know who the bad guy and the good guy is. And who to root for and who not to root for. It's clear. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make anti-hero movies. There's no, it's not like we were talking about Lawrence of Arabia last week. And, you know, is, you know, there's, there's depths to T.E. Lawrence's character. Is he doing it for himself? Is he doing it for the, you know, there's none of that in Steven Spielberg movies. It's like, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. They're at odds with each other. And then you just focus on the story. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the story out of the ballpark all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, Go down a lot. Jaws, and then Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. Close Encounters. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I know you're not a fan of that one. The um, which one? Close Encounters. That's okay. Um, I feel like it's a little overrated. Then, you know, and he's so good at making those childhood movies, those mm-hmm. kid movies, like E.T. Uh, one of my favorites. And Hook. I love Hook. That gets shit on quite a bit. I don't know why. I I don't know why Hook gets shit on. It pisses me off, actually. I think that's the best, one of the best paced films for a child. Because that movie is like two and a half hours long. I know. And as a kid, I watched the crap out of that. I know. And I never felt like I was sitting there for two and a half hours. Who didn't want to be a lost boy when you were watching that movie? Rufio! Yeah, Rufio was the coolest, of course. Um, Uh... You know, I love all of the Indiana, except for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, I, that's the only movie in his filmography where I'm just like, why did you do that? I don't mind that. I don't like injecting aliens into. See, I thought it worked because like it that. felt very much like a B sci fi movie. It went from the serialized quest, adventure, archaeological story yeah. to that, that took place in the 30s and 40s. Then you go to the 50s. B sci-fi. You got Plan Nine from Outer Space. You got all these movies okay. that were made in the fifties. It's that classic sci-fi, and so that's where I thought they were going with it. The new, um, the new uh, Indiana Jones movie that they're making. I wonder. I don't know if they're just going to go like flashbacks and introduce a new Indiana Jones. I don't know how they're going about it, but I wonder because right now it's been twelve years since the last one. Or no, fourteen years since the last one. So we are now in poss- the late sixties, possibly uh, the seventies. Mm. Like, what kind of style is it? Because that's what I thought. I, I see what you're saying, I, and that's why I didn't mind it. I looked in the sense of, okay, it's a fifties, yeah, sci-fi B movie. I kind feel, of a thing. I feel like they 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 fell away from the visual, the uh, the standard effects. 
Yeah, it, they, they used way too much digital effects in that movie. It was and cartoony. I don't, I don't like that. Um, no, I, a lot I, of the original trilogy was practical effects. Mm-hmm. That's that's anyway. Yep. But I, I would, but I actually like Last Crusade the most. That's my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. I think I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the one that we watched when yeah we were just our age watched that the most. Yes, uh, we were too young for Raiders um, to watch that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It was because. Um, well, that was like the first that was the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. Um, I mean, I, I just think we were born at the right time. It came out on video. Home video became a thing at the right time to where we watched it over and over. Yeah. Again. And actually, my ranking is backwards to forwards. Like my favorite is Last Crusade mm-hmm. and then Temple of Doom and then Raiders. But I, I love them all. Yeah, I, I like them all. I th- Raiders feels a little bit more dated than uh, Temple of Doom and uh, Last Crusade. I like T- Temple of Doom has one of my favorite scenes, and that's when they're on the bridge and he like yells a short round and says something in yeah. Mandarin or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, "Look T, look tongue tie." Like that's not words. He did. He's like, "What do you say?" Like, hold on, lady, we go for a ride. Just Harrison. Just you know, tongues. Just say say noises. Do you, do you know Mandarin? <laughs> no. With the Will Ferrell impression Ma- of Harrison. Oh, long tea to tongue tie. <laughs> what are we doing? But yeah, my favorite scene is one of my favorite Indiana Jones scenes. Like, hold on, lady, we go off for a ride. And she just he's lifting up the sword and she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so over the top oh so good yeah but but yeah i mean yeah go ahead and yeah but then he makes two of the best war movies ever made schindler's list and saving private ryan i mean the the d-day scene is iconic the scene in schindler's list where the uh now they're following that little girl around and you know it's a black white movie and then there's just a little girl in a red coat that schindler's looking at when the warsaw ghettos are being uh evacuated or whatever and it's just you know it's iconic scenery uh and he's still he's still doing it jay i mean ready player one is perfect poppy fun entertainment i mean i just love that movie from start to it's just fun you don't get a lot of just fun movies anymore and spielberg's still great at it i like uh uh uh, the Adventures of Tintin. So his foray into into just you know motion capture mm-hmm. movie like Zemeckis did. Yep. I think that was great. Um, he did the autobiography movie. You know Lincoln, that was good, solid movie. Uh, I I still haven't seen West Side Story yet. So he just he did a musical. I I'm sure my, it's my good. My parents but saw I haven't it, seen it yet. and they said it was fantastic. Was it good? Yeah. I'm sure it's good. It's Spielberg. Everything he does, I instantly want to see, and I'm sure it's going to be well made. It's going to be good. I'm trying to think of a movie that I don't like that he's made off the top of my head. Um, even little intimate movies like The Terminal, where it's just in one location, that's good. Uh, Minority Report is so underrated. Minority Report is a fantastic noir mystery movie. Just, I think that movie's perfect. Oh, uh, God. What movie sucks that he's done? I'm trying to, like War Horse was okay. 1941. Yeah, that one's boring. 
Um, that one's boring. I never saw War Horse. It's okay. It's very well done, but it's it's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's not gonna make it. I mean, he he's so good I know. at it that it's. He's like, so good it, at it. It Jay, comes that down I to like do taste. It. Yeah. Okay. So we're like, oh, I, I wasn't into that. I can give two shits about a fucking war horse. Like, that's a good point. Like, that's I, a good I point. Mean, it's not like he makes a bad, like, has anyone ever been like, oh, that's a <clears> bad movie? Like, it's just the pacing is awful. Like, it's, I mean, he's gotten so good at what he does. I feel like it's like, a layup. It's like Bob Ross painting a picture. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I don't like a cabin in the woods. Okay. How about this one that he painted? But it's still a good picture. Yeah. Like it's, it, or it's like comparing the Pixar movies. Like it's all. It's true. They're all very well done movies. It's just, you, you have to. It's a matter of your, taste at yeah, that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to summarize it. It's just a matter of taste with him. Yeah. He's just. And I, I don't. And okay, so yeah, my masterpiece for Spielberg uh, was really tough. I think he's made a couple, but for me, it's Jaws. I think Jaws is just. I I was gonna ask you what it's probably in my top five movies ever made. I think Jaws is so good. As I've gotten older, Jaws has. I feel like Jaws is probably my favorite that he's done. It's so good, and and it was by accident. Because the shark wasn't working, like that movie, I think I, I feel like would suck balls if the shark if the was shark, if the shark was working, because you would have seen it a lot sooner. Yeah, but the scene in the cabin, the the monologue mm-hmm. is just oh, the comparing of the war wounds. Yeah, and, yeah, so good. I like and it. The suspense is fantastic. I mean, it's it's perfect. Two movies. I love the first half. I love the second half. Yeah, it's it's perfect. People they act like real people. Yeah. Um. Yep. The uh, Richard Dreyfus, and he could be in anything, but I know that's the closest thing that he's had to like an anti-hero. Is it? Yeah, because I mean, well, the, they were fighting against nature, so that was the yeah that was the conflict, mm-hmm. and um, and it wasn't like Quint or any any of them were bad. Or even an anti. I mean, they were yeah, just, Quinn was just a dick. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn was just a dick. Yeah, he was just an asshole. Yeah, he was just a dick. He was a loner yeah. that didn't. He was a crotchety crabsman. Yeah. Oh, your hands are soft from counting mount, counting money all your life. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Um, the uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. So yeah, Jaws is up there. I I I, I almost might say that. Minority Report to me is a masterpiece. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect film noir mystery. If you were to pick one, would that be your one movie that someone would have to watch to get their taste of Spielberg? Yeah, Minority it hits, Report. It hits all the beats. Yes, like for the newer generation that may be turned off a little bit by Jaws, in terms of. Now you got you got to see the monster, and you got to yeah. people that don't appreciate pacing. You got to appreciate pacing to enjoy Jaws as much as I do. I think. Yeah, Minority Report is off the it's out of the gate, just hits you, and it's fast, and doesn't let up. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Minority Report a couple times. I wasn't. 
I thought it was fine. Like it just felt like a generic yeah. action movie at the time. I would say, in my opinion, I think Jaws, I think is, yeah. I mean, it's one of his masterpieces. I watch it every year for uh, so good. Independent Fourth of July, like that's yeah. that's my Fourth of July movie. The um, but Jurassic Park. I would say I was gonna just gonna say Jurassic Park is pretty perfect, and because it's still like the effects still hold, still hold up. up. There's not a lot of computer effects in there. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, it's when they re-released it in 2013. Me mm-hmm. and me, we went to go see it, and I, it was the first time I saw it in the theater since I was a kid, and it's still held up and it was awesome yeah yeah i remember being on the edge of my seat in the kitchen scene with the with the raptors yeah and is yes it, it was so good it so is. good and i i remember that was the it was just one of those movies that you gotta go you have to see, go see that you have to go see this you yeah. have to see and that i like spielberg because of that he he created so many movies like that yeah so many and to where you have to go see it and you don't get a lot of those movies yeah you had like the marvel avengers movies were kind of like that but it required you seeing 22 other movies to feel the impact yeah of of the culmination of that story as opposed to just here's a movie here's the you movie. gotta go see this movie um yeah yeah I, I mean, what else can you say? It's Spielberg. Yeah, I uh, I like Catch Me If You Can. That's not. That's one. probably one of the ones I can watch, rewatch a lot. Yep. Um, as far as the things that, I mean, I mean, Saving Private Ryan is probably my f- like in terms of war movies, mm-hmm. a movie about war. That might be my favorite one. And everyone said it that was in World War Two when that movie came out. My grandfather said it to me when that movie came out, and he's like, "Saving Private Ryan nailed it, nailed like, it." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "That's that's." I mean, the, the D Day scene is it's the most realistic portrayal. He's like, "I've seen of war since world like since I was in World War in yeah. the Philippines or whatever." And, um, and you know, Spielberg doesn't really do violence, and that was the first his first foray, I think, into violent content like that. Well, I mean, Schindler's List is is violent here and there, but not like. Schindler's List wasn't about the wasn't about this war strategy and battle. It was about a you know circumstance, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's not a violent. I mean, he'll he'll have some violent imagery in there, like taking the heart out of the chest, yeah, like getting stabbed. But he d- he's not a lot of blood and guts kind of person. He's he, not the brutality of violence. He doesn't show. Typically. No, he's not and, Tarantino. Yeah, no. Um, and so when he did it. Oh man, he let you know mm-hmm. how brutal it could be. Yeah, I think I'm trying to the post. That's pretty good. That was okay. Um, Ready Player One. I felt the live action scenes felt like a Spielberg movie. The animated stuff just felt like a random animated. We're feeling it. Thing. I I remember after we got out of the theater, I asked Chrissy. I was like, I wonder what this is going to be like like the Goonies of current six-year-olds or something like that. Like, like, is this movie going to be something that children now watch over and over and over and over again? In 15 years, there's going to be like some weird love for this movie 
Um, I think it was made for people like us because it was so nostalgic in its content. Everything was geared towards people from 25 to 40. It was. I mean, all the references were and stuff, but it felt too juvenile for me when I watched. Mm. So I was just like, who am I supposed to be relating to? The child? That's the main character? That, I mean, it didn't... The, which, what do you mean? The 17-year-old? Yeah. Okay. Or whatever, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like 10-year-olds in it. Like the, the two brothers. One of them's like 10. Oh, no. I guess the uh, Ty Sheridan character. Ty Sheridan character. Part, All right. Part, yeah. Um, I was like, I, and I don't know if I was just... You're just a crouchy old I am. man. I'm just an old <laughs> fuck. The uh, eh, I did, eh, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, um. I I loved it. I enjoy like that's what Spielberg does. He does like oh, the crazy poppy fun movie that doesn't really get made too much anymore. Yeah. And and I agree. And I look at his filmography, and I I wish he did more of that stuff. But the most recent one that he did, I'm just like, mm. nah. like I, I I wasn't feeling. I mean, it was still it's fine. Very well done. Yeah. Um, he said it was the hardest movie he's ever had to make. Just because of all the visual effects in it. And that's the thing. But I mean, he shot the post the same time he was making Ready Player One. <laughs> so I'm like, how involved were you? You shot a Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks drama. Yeah. He shot that in two days. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. The uh, I feel like he showed up on set for the, like in the live action felt like Spielberg movie. Yeah. Like the kids talking in the van, the chase scene, yeah, yeah. everything, all that felt. Um, he directs kids better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, there's no doubt. Um, but yeah. Um, but other than that, I think 1010, the adventures of 1010, King of Crystal Skull. Um, yeah. So like Lincoln, I haven't seen bridge of spies. I haven't seen the BFG. I haven't seen, um, No. Yeah, I mean it's just he can keep making <clears throat> movies. Yeah, still gonna keep doing it. The I think it's definitely. So it was yeah, it was between him and Scorsese. Yeah, um, I'm just more of a Spielberg guy. If you had to, if you had to shoot me, put a gun to my head. I think who'd most you people would be. Uh oh, between Spielberg and Scorsese. Yeah. Spielberg. Yeah. Just I like. I like Casino. I like, I mean, Goodfellas, obviously. Um, Shutter Island, I like more and more. But, yeah. but I don't I don't visit Scorsese movies the way I do Spielberg. Spielberg. That's fair. And uh, Jaws, I see every year. Yep. E.T., I try to watch every Halloween. It's very good. Um, so there's, there's annuals that I... I go back to. Yeah. And, and I can throw on Indiana Jones anytime. If I'm just like, yeah, folding the laundry, I'll put on Raiders or I'll put on Temple of Doom or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. so good. Yep. The, yeah. I mean, I mean, I like my list. Yeah. I can, I can, I can deal with this. Yeah. He, he's the best that it's ever been. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't see anybody coming close to the having being as prolific. Of, there's no way. No, there's no way. No, it's like the Cal Ripken record. Mm -hmm. 
What was that? Was that sport? Sports. 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 Jay. Okay. He he's he did polo, right? I, can you tell me what you think Kyle Ripken's record is? I just want to. <laughs> it's baseball. He's I'll a pitcher. A pitcher, right? <laughs> uh, I've... He he started the most consecutive games in baseball. It's like okay. something like over two thousand. And nowadays, people rest. They don't they don't play the whole the whole season anymore. He played like fifteen years in a row. Didn't okay. sit out a game. It's never gonna happen again. I mean, his, yeah, when was Jaws? 76, 77? I want to say 78. Maybe 77. He's around there. Yeah. That was his first. I mean, <clears throat> he did like Sugarland Express and the duels. Or... It was 76, right? It was before Star Wars because he coined the term block. It was 75. I think it was 75. He coined the term blockbuster. The first summer blockbuster was Jaws. And then Star Wars redefined it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 75. Yep. So, yeah, over 40 years he's been making. Yep. Isn't it crazy that a movie as old as Jaws is still, to this day, one of the best thrillers, horror movies ever made? By accident? Because you're right. The reason why it is so effective is because the damn shark didn't work. <laughs> You had to be creative. What a, what, it goes back to your whole thing about, uh, you know, Robert Rodriguez and you got to work with what you got. Yeah. And it, what amazes me is not that it's still effective from 75. I think there's plenty of films that still hold up from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple from the 60s. There's even, I mean, I think, I think it's a wonderful life still holds up. Yeah. Um, the, there's some smalts in it, but I mean, <clears throat> for the most part, it maintains what surprised what astonishes me more is the fact that he has so many that just continually hold uh, i mean raiders feel slightly dated just from the look of it still a solid I mean, it still holds up et still holds up um last crusade i think holds up better than temple um but jurassic park still holds up um I mean, Minority Report is now 20 years old. I know. Crazy. Catch Me If You Can is 20 years. Still a good movie. I mean, these are all... I mean, he just... Yeah. One after the other. It's... Knocking them out. Yeah. So... Jay, what are we doing here? I don't know. What is this? It's midnight. Fucking midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. The, uh, oh, Jesus. Sweet, sweet runtime of this podcast. I know. We really got into it. But I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. The, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Spielberg, yeah, he's the best. I mean, he's better. Yeah, just he, say it. He's better. I mean, I, <laughs> and there, there's no, I mean, there's yeah. no doubt behind that. I mean, and, it's not. You he's know. definitely better than he's definitely better than Zemeckis. He's better because I feel like Zemeckis and him are in the same boat of just film directing. Yeah, Spielberg does it better. Um, there's always going to be someone who does something better. Um, Both of them are in the same boat because, back to your point, you're t- they can they they don't focus on one genre. 
or one style one style kind of like what fincher does mm-hmm. um or even nolan i mean nolan has a distinct style he does but he i f- large i i would say just, is his, yeah his scales massive huge yeah and But I couldn't necessarily. Shit, I don't know. I love how he shoots in IMAX. I know. Alyssa Rod, this was a lot harder to come up with than top five movies. I agree. Um, just because, like, you had to look at more of their films that they yep. did and find. And, it was tough. Yeah. And it was, yeah. It was I, enjoyable, though. Yeah. I thought it was a nice exercise. Yeah. All right. Um, how about next time, Jay? Next time, we are going to have a slight delay, so uh, I have to travel for work, but we are going to take a slight break. The new ex- episode will be slightly delayed. Uh, we're going to take a break next week. I'm traveling. When we come back, we are going to be talking about uh, the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, the secrets of Dumbledore, Dumbledore Secrets, something yep it's titled that so we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about how that whole franchise should have been positioned in the first place so but yeah uh wanted to give a shout out to jason thought of, thought of a, some good oh sorry oh not, not you jay not, not me not you other jason <laughs> i want to give a shout out to uh i want to give a Matt. shout out <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the one listener or one of the tens of listeners yeah. that we have right now we we have tens yes uh and me and Jay are going to do this in the future. We're going to, you know, look, sit through the comments and talk about suggestions on, on, uh, you know, future podcast episodes. But I thought he came up with a good idea. Talk about, you know, our top three, uh, movies that were a historically accurate and be entertaining. Nice. So you could go down the, uh, you know, the Steven Spielberg Lincoln route, which I'm sure it's very entertaining and it's historically accurate. Or you could go down the Michael Bay, Pearl Harbor, uh, Ben Affleck, Josh Hartner route where, not really that entertaining and not, not, that, really that. not that historically yeah, accurate. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it too. So cool. Yeah. Well, Hey Jay, that's my 49 cents and I'm sticking to it. Is it that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> and that's the way it was. <laughs>